Episode 83 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I am joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week we looked at our third batch of games from issue 35 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were invigorated by Ikari Warriors, sunk by Sub Battle Simulator, and turned off by Test Drive. This week we conclude our look at the games in March 1988, along with what was lighting up our cinema screens that month. So Graham, tell us what we have going on in this episode. In this local independent used car dealer forecourt with the manager's special on a new Ford Shenanigan 2-litre hunchback with optional rally fun pack, the very best deals on used Volvo Challenger tanks, the Volkswagen Librarian and the amazing Vauxhall Humpty Dumpty Hybrid and of course a whole range of the all-electric and unfortunately named Fiat Hyman of an episode. We stop pushing too many pencils and head into the brightly illuminated 8-bit jungles of Valverde looking for Jim Hopper in the troubled Predator. Get our pedals ready and go as we shoot across the wheelie and stunt-filled tracks of BMX kids, shout yeehaw and head to the pixel-drawn Space Texas in the side-scrolling licensed flop Brave Star and then suffer terrible interplanetary seller's remorse when the sale of a Saturn moon to an arsehole threatens the solar system in Jet Boys. If that test drive of the new Sayat hostage hasn't given you the giddy goons and you're now side-eye the popular Toyota Sandwich Saloon back, we also totally ignore Baltar, get our best nodule milking gloves on, and head out to the life-threatening Battlestar to kick alien ass in Code Hunter, staple our eyelids to our foreheads in disbelief at the utterly dreadful droid dreams, debate the nomenclature of quote-unquote artificial people and their relative upper limb dexterity in the acronomically challenged MACH Mac, feel the pain and anguish of the angst-ridden barbarian in the overdramatic Rastan saga, before finally attempting one small step for everyone and one giant leap into frustrating difficulty in the it is about rocket science world of Apollo 18. Some of these games are unfinishable by design and some just by stupidity. Both of these issues are the same as having a heavy-footed and winkle-picker-wearing bodybuilder kicking you directly in your rusty tea towel holder. Pointy and unpleasant. Proceed with caution. Awesome. Sumptuous, glorious, awesome. That sounds like some good games there and also some not so good, which is probably the cases we've normally seen over the past few weeks. Uh, there's a high likelihood of that. Absolutely. I mean, if you got if you're betting if you're a betting person, you're playing Fruit Machine Simulator, then you could uh, you could probably get some money back on this. I reckon if you were to place that bet. Um, I think so. Just I before we so. get into our games, I just want to say, if you'd like to help the podcast, you can sign up to our Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past. That helps us out no end. There's two tiers. There's the one pound tier or your equivalent, and that uh, helps out. And we th- we say very much thank you very much for that. Or there's the tier at £4.50, which gets you access to um, our Discord, which is a thriving, lively community uh, of people posting all manner of uh, stuff. And it's cool. And there's lots of chat going on about each episode and past episodes and films and music, uh, loading screens and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, there is indeed. Get, there is. You also get access to um, the episodes early and ad-free. So you get them before the weekend and you get them ad-free. So if you want to be part of that, that's £4.50. That's patreon.com forward slash 
zapped to the past. And that makes us smile a lot if you wish to do that. Thank you. There you go. Adverts out the way. Should we get into some games? I think we should. I think we should. Let's get into our first one because it's, uh, it's a strange one. It's a biggie, but let's get into it, shall we? Right now. <laughs> We're laughing because, uh, well, it might not be the first time we've heard that this evening. <laughs> There's been technical snafus, shall we say. Right, okay. Knock, knock. This is Predator. You'll certainly want to stick around for our first game this week as Arnie beats his chest and goes hyper manly as he faces off against the otherworldly Predator any fight to the death. Yes, a little over two months after the film appeared, we get to act out one of the Austrian mountain's most iconic roles as we take to the jungles of Central America in a bid to find out just what happened to Jim Hopper and his men. This comes from the code of Michael Chilton, who did Fire Trap before this, and the graphics of Hugh Riley of Last Ninja 1 and 2 and Bangkok Nights fame, with music such as there is by Paul Summers. The film tells the story of a group of kick-ass macho men sent in to recover a downed helicopter in Central America and rescue some important diplomat. They're the second team sent in on, uh, on the mission and are led by the powerful might of Alan Schaefer, otherwise known as Dutch. Did you know he was called Alan Schaefer? I didn't. We've just found that out this week. It's, uh... Well, I knew when I read it. <laughs> I did call it. It's not like they go, Oi, Alan. <laughs> they should do, though. They should. Oi, Alan. That's his, that is his name. It is his name, absolutely. Um, and what they find is not at all what they expected. Finding the diplomats dead and the first team skinned alive, they soon kick the hell out of the rebels, only to find themselves up against an even fiercer opponent in the alien predator, who proceeds to take them out one by one before the final showdown with Alan. And that's not Dylan either, because it's Alan Dylan as well. <laughs> There's two Alans in this film. What's the odds? You, you're you mean you're Alan as well. Oh, oh, I'm Alan. Are you Alan? Oh, you're not Alan. I'm Alan 1. You're Alan Prime. <laughs> Prime. <laughs> Prime Alan. <laughs> anyway, that's the movie. More bill per square inch than just about any other movie made. So... What about this game? We think this is all going to... So the main chunk of this is going to be based on two versions. There are two versions of this game. So I've got to go through the commonalities first. So we've got what I think is the PAL version and one definitely we think is the NTSC version. But they do say some commonalities, but there are some quite big differences as well. So we'll cover up, We'll try and cover all this in this review because it's a strange one, this. Um, probably one of the stranger games we've actually had to cover, but um, let's, let's, let's see what we can get. In this version, in the PAL version, there's no opening cinematic. There is in the NTSC version, and that cinematic... Uh, maybe it's just been chopped out I don't know maybe it was the crack we had I have no idea anyway the opening cinematic is similar to the film in that we see the earth from space and the predator spaceship being dropped off from there we get a big predator logo and the Arnie sprite from the game running across it before he's grabbed by a hand and dragged from view which is very strange very strange indeed there's some music it's not yeah, great. just like what happens in the movie you mean absolutely yeah that massive alien hand that just reaches out from the logo yeah I mean I remember that bit I thought it was brilliant at the cinema there's some music it's not great it's all right I'm thinking it was probably composed before the music of the film was finalized because it hasn't got the da -da 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 -da. no it has you not know, really you could have done with that really anyway once this is out of the way the title screen itself just says predator got loads of credits on it in a wavy up and down font it's an odd title screen this pressing fire takes us to the game it's a multi-load, so each of the levels loads in separately, and there are four of those levels. The first level starts with the loop um, of what I initially thought was just Dutch lowering himself from the chopper and running across the screen. But what it actually is, is the it's one by one, it's the team. So it's Billy, Poncho, Mac, Blaine, Dylan, 
and um, Hawkins all lowering themselves down from the chopper and running off across the screen. You can tell it's the different ones because they've all got a different weapon, but they've all got the same sprite. So it's like multi- it's like uh, multiple Arnies. Like we had multiple Nick Faldos many, many years ago. Now we've got multiple <laughs> Arnies but with a different gun. It's cheap is what it is. <laughs> tell it like it is. You tell it like it is. Yeah, so anyway, if you press the fire button, it cuts all that, and we get to control Dutch, lowering himself down, or Alan, sorry, lowering himself down from the chopper, runs across the screen, and, and, and you get to control it. So it's essentially what this is, is a left-to-right scrolling shooter, where you're in the middle centre of the screen, but instead of shooting aliens, you're shooting enemy gorillas. This is the first uh, first level, who appear from all angles. Uh, the main chunk of the screen is taken up with the action, uh, and the UI takes up the top fifth, so it's at the top. From top to left, the UI... Um, from the top left of the UI, you've got the number of lives remaining and your six points of health under that. So you can, you've got six bits of health per life. Then it says Predator in the middle, top middle, whilst underneath it is the current gun you are carrying with the number of bullets left just underneath it. To the right of this are the number of grenades you have left, your score, and then the timer counting down. But this is odd as the seconds go up to 99. So it's counting down from 24 minutes and 99 seconds, which is uh, weird and badly programmed. <laughs> I don't know. Is it is it hard to do it from 59, Graham? Is it hard? I don't, I don't think it is, is it? <laughs> I don't think it is. Just easy enough to do. Anyway, progression is from right to left, and the game has a pseudo 3D environment to play around in. It's kind of like the belt scroller games, like Renegade, or the uh, sort of entombed games. It's that sort of look. Uh, so it's uh, that's what you've got. What this means is that there's a sense of depth to the play area. Um, Alan is controlled with the joystick mostly. <laughs> Dutch, sorry, he's controlled with the joystick mostly. Left and right moves you that way. So the diagonals will move you up or down, left or right, respective. So if you push to the top right, you'll move in the top right direction. Um, if you push to the top left, you'll move top left direction. And that's how you can move up and down because there's no way to go straight up or down. As the pushing, if you push up, it makes you jump and pulling down makes you crouch. This makes the controls quite awkward because you just want to go up you can't you kind of got to go up at angles and that's never good if you press the fire button this starts you shooting and locks you in place you can shoot straight ahead or move the joystick up or down to fire at an angle you can also press the space bar to lob a grenade in the direction you are facing as you progress onwards you first you've got to make it through the jungle and fight past hordes of gorillas that's not you know gorillas you know david attenborough gorillas this is gorillas as in g-u-e so gorilla fighters and you got to get to the gorilla camp uh, and that's what you do at the top of the play area for the graphics, the graphics section is the jungle. So you've got all the fauna of the jungle at the top, and there's a speedier parallax level of scenery. Sorry, moving along at the bottom. This is quite nicely drawn, but it's the so you're surrounded by jungle, and you've got this green space to which to move through the center of the screen. Enemies spawn either by walking in and shooting at you. They pop up from foxholes in the ground, or from within the jungle, um, or from the windows of the huts in the village. Periodically, you'll find a dead soldier. Um, this is usually one of your uh, crew who ran off on their own beforehand. This is why you know in the film they work as a team here they just run off on their own and this is what happens to them they all get killed and they'll have their weapon next to them you can swap that out you can put your you can press enter and that puts your gun down and then you can walk over to those press enter again and pick theirs up so you can get new guns you can get a minigun and grenade launcher that kind of thing not that they do much difference but hey ho so that's what you do that's how you swap your uh, weapons out. Should you make it through the first level, you're then out onto the second level. There's more enemies awaiting you. So this is the point where you're actually after the village. I don't, I don't remember much in the way of enemies in the film after the village, do you? No, I seem to remember it's basically two 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 people and one of them's a predator. Yeah, exactly. They just blow everything up at this point and then it's the team trying to get out. Yeah. So every, yeah. all, the, all the villagers, all the rebels are dead after they leave the village, but not here. So you've got to navigate over what I call the billy log. Um <laughs> 
that's what it's called and you have to make it to the top of the waterfall where you jump off and gain some bonus time should you get to level three you begin the last two levels of facing off against the predator i didn't get to these though uh, because the version i was playing was glitched out a bit and i couldn't get through them Uh, i did watch them on youtube though and they don't seem to be that much different the the core game mechanics are pretty much the same except there's just the predator eyeing you up and they do stick to the film because you can one point you, you wander through a sort of swampy bit and you cover yourself in mud and you find things to track the predator with and stuff like that from a visual standpoint is this is pretty good so it's a uh this is these are well drawn the arnie sprite is well animated is well drawn it's fairly recognizable in 8-bit sprite kind of way you know if you're going to do an arnie sprite this is a pretty decent one there's a chunkiness to the running and the little details like his arm jerking back when he shoots show some thought and consideration so this is this is uh you know well well drawn visuals the backgrounds are well drawn the various highlights of the film are there if you look for them with the, there's the down chopper the skinned bodies um all at various sections so that's that's good to see the enemies are okay they're all right they're, they're pretty, you know, they're fairly well animated as they come on and they pop out from the foxholes and what have you. As you progress through the first three levels as well, um, at various points, the predator will attempt to target you. So as you're running along uh, and the red triangular reticule of the predator will appear from the left and it kind of chases you. And this is accompanied by the screen turning like shades of blue and, and grey and black. So it's gone from the green of the jungle to the sort of heat view of the, the sort of, uh, thermal view of the predator. So it's a, you're looking suddenly through the predator's eyes at this point. The laser targeter starts beeping away, you get the do-do-do-do-do-do, it starts coming after you and he's just got to run away essentially just run to the right and eventually it'll, it'll go off and you can carry on that's kind of it really that's the gameplay that's all you do run along you shoot some bits and then you try and fight the predator when you do fight the predator you've got a sort of boxing thing so if you think if you press up and you haven't got a weapon and fire you can punch and down and fire you can kick but you know it is what it is there's four levels to fight through and they've done kind of well in sticking to the plot of the film it does but the game it does have issues the version we played the, the, the main version we played had quite a lot of bugs i would just disappear sometimes like I said, there's no intro sequence. There's boxes are missing, sort of upgrades and stuff and things you can pick up, which are in the other version. They're missing. I couldn't, in the second level, I couldn't drop my weapon or pick up another weapon. So I didn't know whether that was a bug or whether that was part of the game itself. So that was odd. And it just felt a bit janky. Uh, so so what I did was I tried the other version. And, and this has issues all of its own. So... These are commonly known, these two versions are known as the fast version and the slow version. So the PAL version, the the correct version, the one we've been playing, is the fast version. It's not brilliantly fast, but it's playably fast. Even if you run the other version, the NTSC version, at 60 hertz, it's painfully slow. It's got all the intro into it. It did seem free of bugs. You can get through it. You can't, and the other version as well, you can't actually complete because there's a bit towards the end where you have to drop the tree on the predator's head and you can't do it. So it's broken. So it's it's fundamentally Mm. broken, that other version. So, you know, hey-ho, good luck. Not doable. No, this version at least isn't. It just takes forever because it's so slow. It's got everything in it. It's it's like a bugs, but it's like it's running through treacle speed even at sixty hertz. It's awful. It's a real chore to play. So, with all this in mind, it, it's hard to know what to say about this this game. I suspect the first ver- version is running too fast, as it, it's, it's sometimes impossible to avoid the shots of the enemies as they shoot so quick. So you just get like dud, 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 dead. You've lost a life, especially the one shooting down at an angle where it seems impossible to actually get around them. And to uh, get a sh- and to get a shot at them, you have to be in the same line that they're firing constantly in, in the only way that you can shoot at those angles. So that's a pain in the ass. Not being able to move straight up or down in either version makes the controls more cumbersome than they need to be. I don't know why you needed a jump and a crouch, really. In the grand scheme of things, there's a bit where you jump on the yeah, log. True. I could have just walked onto it. Yeah. I don't. I didn't know. I didn't. Know, I didn't see any other bit where I needed to jump. Or that needed the jump. You just you fall off stuff. You just you just walk on the billy log. You know it's there. So it just I don't know. It seemed pointless. I'd have rather just been able to move up and down straight up. 
because it would have helped. So this seems more cumbersome than what it is. And on top of all this, there's a real lack of atmosphere. You know, it's, it feels like a, it's a dry game. There's no music in the game and there's little in the way of sound effects aside from the guns and the Predator laser. It leaves it all feeling a bit limp and uninteresting. The things you do in the game, you simply run to the right, shoot the odd enemy. It's just not also not, it's not really very engaging. And and there is the look and there's the as a thematic feel of the film. It just feels like a basic left to right shooter. And it, literally, you can in the fast version, you can just run past everything. Yeah, you don't you don't even have to engage. You just leg it. And when you, you don't even have to blow everything or shoot everything up in the village, you just run out the other end and it loads the next level. And there's no. There's no sense of sort of satisfaction in a lot of this. And on top of that, there's no team. It's just no. Dutch or Alan. So gone are Billy, Blaine, Mac, Hawkins, Poncho and Dylan. There's, there's nothing There's nothing to do in the village. And for a lot of this, you're simply running to the right and trying to avoid getting in gunfights. As I said, the enemy whittle away your health very quickly. So while this may have some of the thematics of Predator, like the alien, the, the, the heat vision and everything like that, it's lacking a lot of the core elements of it. And thus it doesn't feel like Predator. I'd have liked to see some kind of squad-based elements for the first couple of levels, kind of like we saw in that Aliens game, which I think, you know, you, you, had, you controlled a squad. This is a squad film. It's it's built around being a squad instead of just finding your men dead along the way with their signature gun next to them. And also, why is the minigun so crap? Yeah. It's rubbish. Why does it fire one bullet at a time? It's the worst minigun ever. I would have liked to have done something in the village aside from just running through it. What's the point of having the tree bridge with no billy on it? The second level should have seen your team being taken out by the laser rather than still being up against the same goons from the first level. So you could have done all that. The trappings are here. But it's it's the same thing all the way through. It looks nice, the visuals are good, but it's sorely lacking in the way it plays and ends up coming across as just really dull and repetitive, despite all the nice visual trimmings. It's just boring. And you know, that's a really sad indictment of a game based on Predator. What about what about you? What did you think? Well, I've not got loads to add to that because we'll be here all week. Um <laughs> this things there are things to like here, aren't there? Graphics are okay, look kind of pretty, pretty neat. Backgrounds suitably jungly. Very similar to Platoon, though. In fact, something tells me that this perhaps is there's this and Platoon have some similarities. That first bit of Platoon, anyway. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I guess it's a chunky Annie Annie sprite. <laughs> Controls are awkward, like you say. The way it moves around, weird. It has strange things like standing and shooting at angles, which seems to serve no purpose really whatsoever. It just frustrates the gameplay really. In endless sequences of the same boring thing after the same boring thing just becomes a pain to play yep. i can see what they tried with the kind of that target predator thing where it goes gray and the target you know the predator's triangle thing appears so i suppose there's nods to little nods to the film here and there there's that being covered in mud which serves absolutely no purpose in this game whatsoever because the predator can still see you anyway um yep there's a de- an adherence to some of the film sequences so you find the the campsite military base whatever you would call that i guess um, you jump off a cliff at a certain moment. There's a bit on the log. You wade through a swamp. So, the, but it's just you know, if it's just wrote, Predator's got that. So, what, put it in. But is it? How is it going to fit into our left to right logic? I don't know. Just make it appear at the end of something. Yeah, exactly. So this is all just the worst. Worst. Everything's at the end of this game. You, you know what's going to happen. As soon as you play through that first level of running to the right and you come across something, a few things, you know that that's going to be everything. Predator-wise is going to occur at the end of a sequence of running through stuff. Which is a bit daft, really. So I suppose it's just left down. It's let down here by the daft parts. The shooting of the enemy soldier battles are laboured and dull and pointless, and only happen once in the whole film. Yeah. So you don't keep you don't keep coming across them once you've dealt with them. That's it. They appear because it's called Predator, not villagers who attack you or <laughs> encampment battle. It's called Predator. Okay. It lacks the excitement. In fact, as you rightly point out, it lacks atmosphere, and there's reasons for that. The film is principally ensemble at the start. The game is not. Problem number one. Mm-hmm. So 
and that is a problem. Like you said, squad mechanics. Might have been fun to have multiplayer mechanics or squad management at that beginning bit, since that's the key part of the whole damn film and the first two acts. Yep. So so that would have been... And they've done it with Platoon, and they've done it with Aliens. So it's not like they can't do that. It would have really worked well, that kind of Platoon logic of managing your squad. Even if you didn't manage them all at the same time, they just kind of followed you. It would have made more sense than them running off ahead and all dying, but handily dropping their weapon at the same time, which also doesn't happen um nope. they were missing a couple of key characters as well in terms of its dynamic every, every character in this game looked white to me which is a bit wrong because yep. these two of the characters are not well it's just the dutch sprite isn't it just it's the same sprite yeah but that, but that's what i mean but this is a film where you've got a multi you know a diverse cast and so to not represent that in this game i suppose they didn't think of things like that back then but it's just stupid yeah true the film segues into one on one confrontation eventually and while the uh, game tried this the magnitude and sense of dread are not here and the main predator sprite is so underwhelming it's laughable when it finally does arrive yeah, it's not good it looks like a running turd <laughs> Um, and it's very difficult to do anything with it because it just kind of runs flailing its arms at you you shoot it a few times and it runs off again yeah and, and I thought is that it that's the build up that's the thing that's the thing I'm I'm dreading I'm, play- I'm plowing my way through this jungle of dreary boring endless repetitive backgrounds and albeit well drawn on these stupid enemy sprites that are absolutely there's no logic to any of them they just pop up and run around and shoot regardless it doesn't matter mm-hmm. it's ridiculous so to go through all that to then finally be confronted by that thing it's not even very big. I mean, the Predator's bigger than Arnie. It's a huge thing. It's a big deal. It's a big alien, for crying out loud. So it, for it to come at you going, booga, 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 out the woods. Which just sounds like, really? That's, that's, you're gonna, that's, that did not happen in the film. This was a challenging fist battle. It's like being menaced by uh, Harry and the Hendersons, whatever it, just, it was. It just, booga, <laughs> he just booga, 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 you know, just jumps out of the trees. So the background's all right. They're well drawn, like I said. But the jungle's too well lit, isn't it? It's really well, it's like the brightest lit jungle in the world. Oh, the, jungle's yeah. up, the jungle canopy is quite dense, and that means that it's actually quite dark in the depths yeah. of a jungle and also you know so but i know you can't capture that necessarily with the you know, the total 16 shades of color you have on a color 64 but there are ways that you can administer that kind of feel you don't have to just have a you know a, a nine million watt bulb lighting the entire jungle which is kind of what it does because it's got those really vibrant bright colors and um, which is nice for the backgrounds but not so great for the handy green sort of pathway that runs through the middle of the jungle that you run upon all right it's a detail but it's just if you're going to make a game that's set in the jungle it needs to be more jungly. Tarzan managed it better than this, and Tarzan, that had little pathways, but you just reduce the density of, of the screen. The screen's quite large in this, which means the jungle has to be large, which means you've got this nice clearing to yeah. run down. I mean, ironically, it, it looks much better when it switches to the Predator vision when it goes dark and you get the yeah. the, the blues and the blues and the blacks. And Well, that's an inheritance of atmosphere that is otherwise void in this game because it's yeah. just too it's well lit. It's the bit so, game that actually does work. Then the gory details in the background and the skin soldiers are lost anyway because of the vibrancy, so they don't look like... It just looks like someone's hung up streamers. They don't look like <laughs> yeah. corpses and bodies. And the bodies that are on the floor aren't, aren't gory and, and aren't skinned and aren't very good and just singular. Yep. So it doesn't work. Add to this, the kind of... And this is what actually really annoyed me mostly, really. But all the other things are bad enough in totality. But this mostly silent, this game. Yeah. Now... The jungle is not silent. <laughs> no, the jungle is not silent. The film is not silent. Now, I know the film is principally in the jungle, so there's going to be jungle sounds in there. And there's no way of necessarily creating the amazing film score. But we've played loads of games where there's just been little atmospheric sounds in the jungle. And that's all it takes. Just the occasional jungle sound. And they're easy to do on a SID. You know, just little sound effects that sound like, a, you know, the, the jungle type animals. We've all heard them a million times. Or 
stuff. So, you know, a lot of the soundtrack for Predator is just you know, just sound effects like that. Yeah, you can create little bits of sound because it's not like you're shooting all the time. So it's not like there aren't three channels available. There's at least two channels available for those kind of sounds, which would have made this game have a bit more atmosphere. It would have worked slightly better but because it's silent. It doesn't feel like you're really achieving anything. You need cues, audio cues. If the visual cues aren't there, which they're not in this, then you've got to have something else and it doesn't have that. So you take all that into consideration, even with no background sounds, with bland singular sprites that aren't even matching the thematic of the film, the lack of a squad, with the lack of a predator that's actually menacing, that doesn't just go booga, booga, booga. With a game that is actually unfinished or broken as well, which is the, actually the tragic icing on this otherwise very turd-filled cake. Um, <laughs> why on earth would anyone want to invest any more time in this? This is, a, this is milking people's pockets for license money again. Now, we know that there's better out there because Platoon, albeit that it had its problems, was a much better film adaptation. And there's probably others out there that, that are certainly better. But this was a, such an opportunity to create a fairly simple game. Aliens was better than this. Now, we said that that wasn't perfect by any stretch. The, the US version and the UK version, both of those had more atmosphere and menace in the first few minutes of gameplay than this has in its entirety. Yeah. Now, that's something that is tragically wrong. So in the end, of course, it all boils down to what, what was it like, really? It was boring. And how can that be with a pred- with a film like Predator? It's just such a stupid waste of time and effort for them. And the American one, just as a footnote, was just slow. At least it was complete, but it's just slow and ploddy. And as the, all the same problems as the other version, it just happens to be slower. And at least you can finish it, I suppose, if you can be bothered to get to the end, which I doubt that anyone would really want to. Because yeah. when you do finish it, you get confronted with really horrible <laughs> scanned graphics of that's just it's just rubbish it's just rubbish so don't why would you bother what is what a tragedy what a waste of time yeah awful there you go that's predator and we like the you know we love the film but not that film's game. ace the film's ace. Get, what did it get in zap they gave it 90 percent. sizzler yeah yeah there is no way there is no way they played that the version either they didn't play the version we played i noticed that um, rignall in his review said it's got a great ending now, we know that he's either played the US one or he never finished it. Well, they also said that they took, because in the Zap review as well, they also talk about the uh, animated intro as well. So we'll I'm still not have sure the US one, but, they don't, but then they don't mention the slowness. No, they don't. And, it's, it's, and that's criminal because it's so slow. So slow. I don't know what version they played, but it certainly I've played all the I played a various range of versions of this and they were either they either had a bit of the intro or not the intro, but they were all suffering the same problem. The UK version or the Euro version, whatever you would call that, does not have an ability to finish it because you don't have a rope on the log, so you can't in fact there wasn't a log on the bit when I got there. Just <laughs> predators just kept running at me. And the, by the way, I forgot to even mention how difficult this bloody game is. Because you can get past the bats, which by the way, I fired a minigun at some <laughs> bats. A minigun. They're supposed to be vultures, I think. Well, even the yeah vultures because the bodies. But even if I, yeah. I'm firing a gun that fires uh, six thousand rounds a second at some birds, <laughs> and yet they managed to. It was like one at a time. I'm like, are you kidding me? That one could that front bird could take six thousand rounds a minute from a minigun. <laughs> what are they made of? Bloody Teflon steel? What are they? <laughs> no, no vultures I ever want to encounter can withstand them. That kind of firepower. No, terrible. The, anyway, they say the jungle. They say the jungle came alive and took them. That's what well, happened. I tell you, if the predators out there, they're out, if they are out there, and let's face it, they might be, they're going to be mad about this game. And the people <laughs> who made this, you better watch out. You're going to wake up on a weird planet and wonder how you got there, and then you'll know. You'll think back in a flashback, and that's what it'll be. They'll be like, oh, I made the predator game. I made the predator game. I made the predator game. <laughs> Lisa needs braces. <laughs> anytime. 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 I'll leave you here. It's love. Bleed you guy. Anyway, sorry, I just it's just annoyed me. Yeah, no, it wasn't great. Let's move on. We've spent enough time on Predator. 
There you go. That's Predator. Let's move along to our next one. Graham, you can tell us what it's like to be down, down with the BMX kids. With a Z. BMX riders have a lot of fun. <laughs> Woo, BMX riders. Remember that? I don't, I don't even know what that was. Even have to know what it was about. BMX is. Just remember it though. Possibly. Um, so this is um, BMX Kids from Firebird. It's a one ninety nine budget game, um, and it was coded by Joe Boner, Bernard, and Dave <laughs> Corn, who did arcade classics. Dave Corn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, graphics are by Paul Doherty. Doc. Yeah. Title screen Bob Stevenson. Music Rob Hubbard. Somebody called John Alconan. I'm not sure. Jory Alconan. I'm not sure what where that comes into it or why, but anyway, I always remembered it as being Rob Hubbard. Um, just before I even get into the game, there's some real names attached to this. Yeah, there is. You know, yeah. Paul Doc- Doherty, Bob Stevenson, Rob Hubbard. No, I mean that's that's a that's a collection of talent. Dave Corn, Joe Boner, for now, for now. That's a collection of talent. It is. So, what did that collective brain produce? A simple enough racing premise: get on your BMX and pedal. Uh, no, get on your BMX and pedal wheelie and jump your way through a series of six timed and progressively more challenging races slash levels against five other racers. From race two of the six, you have to have a fixed number of stunts and wheelie type things you have to do, as well as get to the end of the race within the time and beat the other racers if you can. Fun, fun, fun. All the races uh, scroll left to right and feature ramps and jumps, etc. So they're not a straightforward pedal to the floor and get to the end, although you can try that if you want. Um, but you won't be able to because you've got to actually complete the stunts that are designated. If you don't complete those, um, your racing career is over right there and then. It's the end. So you've got, and, to, you've got to do yeah. that. If you bump into other races, it costs you spokes. Now, my question though is, didn't BMXs have mag wheels? So, I don't know. Some of them did. Some of mine didn't. I don't mine even know spokes. what I'm talking about. Um, lose too many of those and it ain't good. Um, but there are mini wheels along the track that will replace your spokes if you collect them. You also lose spokes if you crash land too hard from a stunt. So do be careful when you're doing them. Mm. Um, also, pedaling, of course, uses energy and it depletes as you progress, which means you get slightly slower. Remember, you're against the clock in this as well. So there are cans of fizzy pop drink that you can collect as you skidle along, skid along, cycle along. Um, which will boost your energy back up. So those are the things you can pick up as you race along. And that's kind of the fun, because it's a budget game. There's no more, you know, no, there isn't some great lengthy tale of the BMX that did never won the race. <laughs> and his bike was donated by, you know, and, he, you know, and all that. And there isn't any of that. It was, you know, it was just, carved by Brian May from a bigger BMX. Exactly. Yeah. It's just uh, start race. That's yeah, you know, principally, you know, pretty much, you know, there's the race game, start race. The graphics here are okay. And I, I, say, I think good, okay to good, you know, a bit like the ground on a horse track for some reason. I don't know why I'm saying it like that, but <laughs> light to flimsy. The, the graphics are actually pretty good. The main window of the game is the play area for the race with some nicely shaded backgrounds and details. Some odd colour choices here and there, but they do still kind of work in nice sort of shaded and they look probably would have looked really good on a CRT monitor. Yeah. They do work in the context though. And there's some funky background details that firmly place this game in the youth zone of the 80s. So not just with the kids, but also, you know, you got, you know, there's that kind of language replete through the game. And I'm not going to bore you with it because I'm, you know, no, but there's a lot of that youth language in here. <laughs> youth. With there's some F. nicely detailed greens and browns uh, give the woodlands levels a, t- a nice sort of detail. And there's little details that are quite nice in the backgrounds they work the races are quite small but they're, I think they're quite neatly animated for what they are and you control your race with the joystick with directions for speed of course and, and directional up and down left right uh, is left and right is speed up I think left right is speed up left is slow down up and down moves you up and down the track and fire button will initiate a jump or a stunt type thing when you do it so you can fly off the jumps and press the button and do things in the air and all that running along the bottom is your UI with your current time left number of spokes 
that you have stunt score and energy remaining indication. So everything you need is on that screen to play this game, everything. Um, the audio is a sample-heavy Hubbard youth type affair again. Heavy on the sound, speech and everything else, but it does add a good atmosphere to the proceedings. And as much as I don't like that kind of heavy drum slash house beat that it's gone for, it does kind of work in the context of this game and it, and it does lend it some real weight um, which means it's, it doesn't feel like a 199 game upon loading this. It does feel like it's got a lot of attention paid to it. Yeah, it does. Um, there's, some, there's some persistent issues, though. Knowing what stunts are required is a bit of a guessing game. There's no real guidance on how they work, so you just kind of sort of jump in the air and fly about and hope you land them. There's no real sort of um, payoff, and there's always, there are multiple types. I think there's just land or don't land, and land on your front wheel or you'll lose too many spokes. There's not a great deal of thought behind that. Pity, because mm-hmm. if they had have put a bit more behind that and a little bit of bit of winning the races gave you money and you could upgrade your bike, this would have turned this game from a budget okay game to something that had a, quite a little bit more punch, I think. But it doesn't have that. It is just the races. So the pulling off of the stunts is a little bit haphazard, but the sprites are okay. But they can fall into a bit of a sprite jumble, I noticed on occasion. So when it's clustered together, it's a bit, there's too many pixels on the screen at the same time and it's a bit yeah, bitty. Yeah. But you can sort of get past that. It's, it's, it's the small gripe for a game that's £2. And £2 is what it costs. I think there's a good chunk of stuff to like in here. It's bold. It's quite brash and heavy. Sample sound gives it that kind of weight. So the three, two, one when you start the races and things like that. That's all quite nice. Very BMX inspired, obviously, with a name like that. But also the language of the tonality and the look and feel really places it in that kind of heart of the 80s BMX scene. So it does lean on that quite nicely. It felt a little bit reminiscent of a more of a sort of skate or die type um, level it could have easily fitted into an epics kind of multi-game where it was about BMXs and this could have been one of the races in that I felt, felt yeah. like it perhaps lent, it's lent itself to that kind of thinking so it's well above average this it scored 79% with Zap I think this is a particularly good game and if you found this in the bargain bin at one night and took it home and played it you know you're going to have a good afternoon um, I think it's multiplayer I don't know for sure because I, I only play think, one player I don't think it is I, think don't, I don't remember seeing a two player option in it but that would be something else you could add in BMX Kids 2 or something I don't know hmm. what did you think uh, yeah yeah it's alright it's just uh, remind me as soon as I boot it up is this the, it's, it's an Exciter bike clone isn't it it's Exciter bike it has a very I don't know very, what that is the, on the Nintendo Entertainment System the side on motorbike one um, yeah, so the, the first, see, you lost me at the words Nintendo alright because there was an Exciter bike was a sort of side on Looks exactly like this, um, except you're in tracks, but you had to go over jumps and stuff like that. So it's very, very similar. So they've taken, I think this might be the first Excited Bike clone we've seen on the C64. It's not exactly the same, but the viewpoint and the way the, the little riders and stuff, it's very, very similar. Anyway, yeah, it's all right. It looks good. It's a nice, uh, good side on backdrops. They've not really nice shading. Decent Hubbard tune on the title screen. Again, I'm not a particularly massive fan of those kind of Hubbard tunes, but this is pretty good. And some nice speech as well. Some nice speech in there, I thought, as well. For a budget title, this is some really nice presentation around the edges. There's a huge high-score table. <laughs> it goes on forever. There's about 100, is that 50 or 100 entries in it. It goes on for massive, massive amounts of scrolling downwards. Front end is good. The high-score table tune is also a bit on the odd side as well. The actual game is, like I said, it's reminiscent of a sight bike, except you've got a bit more freedom of moving up and down. There's things in it that I was not a fan of. Again, we've had this before, but it's like having to keep two types of energy up through each race. I think one would have been enough for trying to manage the other riders, collecting two sets of things, pulling wheelies and doing stunts on the later levels. It all gets a bit erratic and a bit frantic and a bit much. It's well made, though. As budget title, this is pretty decent and would have provided some good Sunday afternoon's entertainment. It's not a classic, but pretty decent. I just wish games would stop trying to overdo the collectibles and energy things that can kill you. So, like, in this, you've got the spokes and you've got the energy. It's like, just... I don't know if the spokes were really needed. The energy was probably enough. So it's like this and what it's what Garfield did as well. They do that two things. So two things kind of working against you. I don't know. I don't know if I really need my bike full into bits because I did some jumps. BMXs were really quite sturdy. 
So if it, it just it seemed like um, an arbitrary sort of, we're just going to make it a bit harder because there's only six courses and we're, we're going to want to make you work through them. And, in, in you know, so this is how we make it harder. And I get that. I, I understand that. But I would have preferred more courses and less, less of those kind of mechanics. Just having to keep my energy up would have been would have been enough i think because it's, it's already quite tricky as you said trying to pull off those stunts trying to keep ahead of everyone trying to pull wheelies especially as you go through race to race and have to do multiple things to complete that stage it can get a bit tricky but overall though i think 79 percent was about right this is a decent budget game certainly better than atv simulator that we played the other the other week um so yeah, i was, I was quite happy bit. to uh, have a blast on this it was all right yeah not too bad we okay go. yeah well good anything else no no, no, no. Two pounds, all right. that's all you're getting. That's all you're getting. It's two quid, so it's two, you get two quid with a review. There you go. Yep. Let's move along. Sure, we've got we've got a full price one coming up, so I'm sure it'll be much better. It'll be five times better. It must be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so our next one up is Brave Star. Brave Star. <laughs> Starfleet. With powers <laughs> of wolf, hawk, puma, and bear. Brave Star. Yeah, it was never a cartoon I was really happy it with. It wasn't either, but I've, I've linked to the theme tune sort of thing, so we'll put that in the show notes so you can enjoy it as well. I didn't remember that theme tune at all, so it's not something that I was ever uh, had any affinity with. Anyway, Brave Star is an American space western animated series that aired 65 episodes from September 1987 to February 1988. The show was created a year after Mattel had released a line of action figures. Brave Star was the last animated series produced by Filmation and Group W Productions before Filmation shut down in 1989. There you go. That's the origin of Brave Star. It is another toys to cartoon, and it's brought to gaming life here in the same vein as like, things like Action Force, Mask, all those other ones we've probably seen, He-Man, and probably others that have forgotten. Brave Star takes place on the planet New Texas. Frankly, I cannot think of many things worse than naming a planet after that's the entirety of Texas, maybe, but hey, yeah, you know. New Texas is the home of Tex-Hex, not Tex-Mex. Tex Hex. Do you know the story of Brave Brave Star, by the way? And he's controlled by an evil spirit called Stampede, who wishes to raise the dead bronchosaurs whose bones litter the planet. He forces Tex to kidnap the ancient Indian, and that's the game's word, not mine, so for it's a Native American, who is called Shaman, and force them to teach them the spell to complete their dastardly plan. Now, as far as I'm aware, Shaman's not a name. (laughs) It's a position in a tribe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, the, yeah. it's the witch doctor the medicine man it's the it's the person you go to for advice it's not it's not oh i'm just gonna you co- shaman you're coming out john shaman alan it's probably alan shaman <laughs> oh, anyway anyway hearing of this brave star heads to new texas to rescue his longtime friend and teacher because of yeah you know, of course they've got yeah you know, of course that would be the case um of course, and that's the plot here sort of thing. so you, you've, you've gone back to new texas to sort of find shaman and you know make sure that they can record Ebenezer good. The title screen lets us choose between in-game music or sound effects, uh, and with a tap of F5, we are off. With a little preamble, we are straight into the game. Mm. The music is an okay piece. This is the only bit. It's an okay piece by Dave Whitaker, um, and it does give the game a sense of pace. There's a sense of pace to this bit of music. It's not too bad. You start in a town where you are immediately beset by enemies from all sides, all over. It's everywhere. There's just enemies. You can run from left to right and jump up to run on the top of buildings or crouch to shoot the wolves or whatever that are coming at you. There's just enemies everywhere. Um, so this is a bi-directional scroller. Oh, I'll come to that in a bit. The game takes place over nine days, and you, that's how long you've got to rescue Shaman in that time. So you've got nine days to do it. At the top of the screen is the UI, which consists of a map of sorts. <laughs> when I say map, it's the map in the loosest possible sense. It's just a piece of parchment with a couple of doodles on it, as far as I can make that out. That ain't no map. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's better than the one in He-Man, I'd say. Everything's better. It's not a map either. That's <laughs> not a map. It's just a series of lines. It's a super pipeline level. Yee. It's got the score, the time of day, and a graphic of the time of day as well, with the sun slowly going down or up or whatever. I don't know. Who cares? It's sped up. So the, the, the uh, speed of the time is sped up as contact with any enemy costs you time. As there are so many enemies, your time will go down fast. You know, days pass in the blink of an eye because there's just enemies hitting you all over the place. And you can't do anything to shoot them all. There's just too many of them. You can run left or right. Don't run to the right. I couldn't find anything to the right. There's no point. <laughs> just go left. Just run to the left. Should you survive to the edge of the town on the left, you'll come across your saddle rocket, which then enables an arrow on the map at the top. So in this map, you can then move an arrow around. and You can move this over a couple of locations that you can see. Those are Star Peak and the Prairie Mines. Pick one of them, and this launches you into a side-scrolling situation where you're beset by more nonsensical enemies. Um, you can shoot them, but hope, who cares? Once at your location, <laughs> you just you get a weird like multiple-choice series of questions. So if there are people there, you can... The first thing you got to do is untie them it just says do you want to untie them it's like well yeah because clicking no won't continue the game so you click yeah then it's you ask them a question say where's them they go oh they're over there so then okay that's it you go back to your uh uh, so you go back to your saddle and you can move on to another section so you click on your saddle well basically push up and then you're on the map again and you click a, you can go to the next location but at this point you're not going to want to you're just going to want to stop because this game is, is as far as i'm concerned is clearly unfinished this is another unfinished title there's a total lack of design or polish to just about every facet by the music the graphics are blocky and poorly defined bravestar has a pink face when stood up it turns white when you crouch why? That's bad. The enemies range from giant jetpack men to crap monsters to globs of shit floating about. That's also bad. The collision detection is random to the point of farce. Sometimes you shoot things, sometimes you won't. Sometimes enemies will kill you, sometimes they won't. Sometimes time will advance, sometimes it won't. If you head to the mines and then star peak, the graphic of the mine is only half drawn so as it scrolls off to the left. You can see there's nothing more than the cave entrance with a flat left-hand side. Shoddy. This is a bad game. It's rote requirements of the player and a thoroughly broken engine behind it. There's no sense of this being Brave Star. Where are the animal spirits? Remember at the top? Remember at the top? I said wolf, hawk, puma, and bear. Where are they? This is like animated manimal. I wanted animated manimal. There's none of that in this. Just nonsense. Animanimal. Yeah. Animanimal. Animanimal. Yeah. Animanimal. 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 Yeah. So there's none of that. There's no sense of being braced out at all. It's just, I'm just some blocky guy running around shooting a weird assortment of enemies in a boring, bi-directional, scrolling nightmare. I had no affinity for the show and that has been lessened by this arse cake. Rubbish. This was awful. I've got nothing more to say about how bad this was. I hated it. 28%. Too generous. What did you think? Well, my first statement was, this is really terrible. It doesn't get much better from there. It doesn't. I haven't got a lot written for this, actually, because there's not a lot to say. Why would you? I'm not sure what the plan really was for this. Um, It looked like it started out as one thing, I think, and ended up as another. I'm saying that for the whole franchise, but certainly this game. Um, I think this probably was another game that got made into a Brave Star game at some point. The horrible music and bland title screen gives way to the badly drawn background of Space Western. Yeah. Uh, And you as the cowboy sprite, such as you are are running left and right, constantly avoiding things and vicariously ducking and diving into different places. If you can actually get in, because it goes, Brrr, maybe you're in, maybe you're not. I never got in anywhere. There's really any, oh, you can get into the different spaces where there's a door. Oh. Um, when you go in there, you get three choices. Um, so you can talk, leave, or I can't remember what the third one was. None of them do anything. Um, I think examine. So when you go in there, there's, re- there's never anything to see in any of them. Nobody wants to talk to, apart from people who say, have you got any money, which you don't have? And then the only other option is to leave. So that serves no purpose whatsoever. Broken anyway. and finished, like I said. Yeah. The pace is weird. feels like you're running around at a crazy speed. And the enemies in this are a Homer's webpage of randomosity that <laughs> I couldn't quite <laughs> get my head round. No. Um, this is a full pack. price. Yeah, it just it's just all of it. It's, it's a full price thing of horror. And that's my final word on it. And it's 
No, no. <laughs> yeah. Brave starfish. I was going to actually make that line. I was going to, yeah, I was going to write that brave starfish, but I, 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 I withheld myself. But um, safe in the <laughs> this knowledge. This is a rusty sheriff's badge of a game. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's been found in the desert and then wiped on someone's ass. Yes, um, yes. Just to sort of add insult to the already bad and metaphor. This is a rusty tea towel holder of a game. It's unpleasant. <laughs> This is a this is a puckered old woman's mouth of a game. Ew. <laughs> and yes, I ewed at that. <laughs> yeah, Not the other things. I know. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that one. Anyway, it's bloody awful, Brave Star. It really is bad. Let's move along quickly. We've got one more for this uh, for this half before we get into our film. So let's move along quickly. And Graham. Um, after hanging out with the BMX kids, you're now down with the mm. Jet Boys. Tell us all about that. <laughs> it's not um, like we said last in the last episode. This is not some kind of stripper act for <laughs> you know, middle-aged uh, folk. Is it the follow-up to uh, Sabrina's song? <laughs> yeah, Jet Boys, Jet Boys. It's just CRL, this. It, yeah, um, I know. Uh, so this is CRL, coded by Paul Baker, graphics by Steve Green, title screen John Law. The musician here is Jay Derrett. So I suppose it was only a matter of time before CRL turned its CRL engine and its attention <laughs> towards sidearms and thought, hey, people are making sidearms games. Let's reduce one. Let's re- release one at full price when there's been one released that's better than this for budget. Yeah. But let's look at why that is the case. Okay. So this time it's Jet Boys, of course, so not, not sidearms. And I think Jet Boys Oh, anyway. After incredible uh, mineral finds on the moons of Saturn, the solar system has become immensely wealthy, turning from a dingy backwater. It is now one of the most desirable areas in the galaxy. Okay, so Saturn. No, it isn't. It's just it's in the middle of bloody nowhere. All right. No matter how much space diamonds you find out there. No, they only have a value on the place where you spend them. So unless they've set up shop at Saturn... Um, anyway, just to patrol the quadrant, a spaceborn group, spaceborn, was established. The Jet Boys, as they came to be named, wore armed jetpacks and covered their beat in pairs. Mm, okay. What the fruit? Well, <laughs> just covered their butt in pairs. <laughs> yeah. Why? It's a just waste of fruit. <laughs> We're at Saturn. It's not like I can grow them. <laughs> it's a long way to bloody go to just do that. I know. It just seems odd to me that the first thing you're going to do during your interplanetary travel is apply some kind of space patrol. You know, you've got to establish colonies and fencing. Oh, we know about the fencing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So one of the... <laughs> oh, God. One of the moons was bought by galactic quadrimillionaire and recluse... He's not reclusive, he's bought a planet. Cyrus B. DeVille. Oh, God. Yeah, I know, I know. Selling the moon to him would turn out to be the biggest mistake that the system council has ever made. That's the last thing we wanted to happen, (laughs) is what they said in their statement. He established a fortress swarming with mechanical and biological defenders. Uh, so what? He's on his own planet. Leave him to exactly. it. He could do what he likes. He bought. You sold him it. You can't go. Hang on a minute. You are you gonna, you're not going to use this planet you bought for some kind of swarm of mechanical biological defenders, are you? Because if you were, that's that's not what we agreed. Absolutely, that won't no. end the buyers pack. <laughs> I'm afraid you, you've you've exceeded the clause here. <laughs> the the biological defender clause. Anyway, um, they contain a reactor. The planet contains a reactor at its heart large enough to destroy the whole planet. I'm sensing that he didn't think his plan through and don't mess with somebody who does that. Just saying. Has he put that reactor there? He says, yeah, he established a fortress swarming with mechanical biological defenders and the fortress contains a reactor at its heart large enough to destroy the whole planet. 
It's his planet. If he wants to blow it up, he bloody well can. Like the KLF burnt their million pound. If they want to, it's up to you. You know, <laughs> you may not agree with it, but <laughs> but it's there. It's theirs to do it with. Anyway, without warning, a blackmail message was broadcast to the effect that unless he was given the remaining moons, he would melt down his powerhouse. That this would destroy his moon and eradicate the others, making their priceless reserves unusable. This seems like a very counterproductive plan, but okay. <laughs> you're going to blackmail us by saying you're going to blow yourself up and everybody else. All right. And some random moons of Saturn. And I'm just going to say that Saturn isn't the only planet with moons. All right. Just saying. Just saying. This, we this, have this, one. You know, we've got one. Jupiter's got a few. I think Neptune's even got a few. There's loads of moons. There's the planets and moons out there. Just not, let's not be precious <laughs> about that one. <laughs> anyway, I say blow it up then. Go on, do, do your worst. And we're we'll, probably we'll taking all the diamonds from them anyway, so who cares by this point? <laughs> exactly, there's nobody there. So the Solar Commissioner Green called for his two finest jet boys. Now I want to know how he did that. <laughs> jet boys! <laughs> Come on, where's my two finest jet boys? There you are. <laughs> and he said, I quote, you have your orders. <laughs> okay. You will be dropped four sectors away from the core. Consider all areas as hostile, all encounters as combat. Each sector end is guarded by one of Deville's mega beasts. Don't let your soup dials run out on you. You can boost them by destroying attack waves. One final point. You may find weapon pods we will try to drop ahead of you. These will increase your firing rate or give you limited shields. Your shuttle's on standby. Good luck. <laughs> this, by the way, your jetpack has a whole gang of gimmicks. It's a beaut. <laughs> a real winner. I think it's a mighty handy item. But it doesn't write words. <laughs> You can't have honestly, <laughs> honestly, and that's that's, and I'm, and you think, am I making this up? Is this some jolly trip I've been on? No, that's from the actual inlay of the game, mm-hmm. all of that. So that's the scene set for you. What is the game then? So when you first kick this thing off, the title screen has an oddly small logo and a stirring, if weirdly discordant, tune. Yeah. There's no indication of how to start things. That would be useful, wouldn't it, to say press F1 to start, but it doesn't tell you that, nor do the instructions. You just press it and guess. Starting the game, you will find yourself as a small jetpack-wearing sprite controlled with a joystick. The challenge of the shooting left and right of sidearms is here tackled, because this is a side-scrolling shoot-up, essentially. So the side-scrolling, um, the challenge of the shooting left and right of sidearms is here tackled in a similar way to sidearms, in that you will turn to face the enemies if you move left and right. But this time, holding the fire button will freeze you shooting and facing that direction. Okay. However, you start massively underpowered and too slow to avoid the fast approaching enemies, which will kill you quickly and pretty much instantly. Bummer. Yep. Also, turning seems to take half the screen, if you do manage it, and hitting anything will remove one of your three lives, lose them all, and you will, and it's game over. Mm-hmm. Um, there are power-ups, but you will most likely not live long enough to encounter any, as there are waves of faster enemies that are hard and nigh and impossible to avoid, and they will kill you before you even get near them anyway. So in this left-to-right horizontal screw, uh, horizontal shooter, and it is a la sidearms, enemies do come at you from both sides, you don't stand a chance, because nope. you're horribly underpowered from the start. The graphics here are, are quite nicely shaded. They have a similar vibe and look to Toad Force, and they've got that CRL shading, I'm calling it now. So the CRL, so it's, you know, it's, it's three shades of brown as opposed to whatever, or three shades of grey or whatever, but it's, they, they don't look terrible. They're just, they are what they are. They move okay. The scrolling is okay in the game. Just, you move slowly. You, you're underpowered and too slow. The vibe's okay because it's basically sidearms. It's just punishing in all the ways you would expect something like this where they haven't playtested it, had no player affordance and didn't give a toss about any of the players who'd actually end up buying this and thinking, I might have a go at this and then dying repeatedly to the point when they think, why did they even bother? What's the meaning of life? <laughs> and since Zybex is cheaper and Zybex is better, um, this is not offering you much really anything of anything new. In fact, it's actually offering you less. The sound in the game is loud 
And I guess suppose the best thing you could say is it's suited to the action, but the whole thing feels expensive and not very playable. It's about as average a shooter as it gets, and there are better out there for cheaper. Go and play Zybex instead of this. What about you? Uh, exactly the same. It's definitely Sidearms Month, isn't it? It's got three games in a month. Isn't it just? Three of them. So, But once again, we've got that different control system that, that actually may have worked if it had just been a bit faster to flip from left to right. If it had just flipped rather than animated, yeah, I think, I think yeah. that, you know, I would have, I would have been happy with that. They've gone for a defender vibe, haven't they, with a little transition? Yeah, and I get that, but it doesn't work because you're too slow. Yeah, you the go. enemies are too quick. Oh, something coming behind me. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, oh. there it is. <laughs> oh, I'm dead. Yeah. I like so I quite liked holding the fire button down to lock you in position, but you fire so slowly with only one bullet on screen again. So if you miss, you have to wait for your bullet to sort of bugger off screen before you can fire another one. Yet if you hit the one in front, an enemy right in front of you, fire it immediately again. This makes no literal sense because it's not like your your gun has a cooldown because no. the times are different. It's just they're just it's just crap. I hate that. Why do so many of these games put that mechanic in there? Because they don't want to draw more carrots or sprites on screen, I guess. But it's still shit. Correct. It just feels rubbish to have such puny firepower. There's, like you said, there's some nice visuals in this. The shading is quite nice. The backgrounds are nice. The sprites are okay. It moves smoothly. But as a shooter, it, it's sorely lacking in decent action. Um, and also, with a lot of the screen taken up by the UI, which it is, it needed to not kill you when you went near the floor. So many times I just died by going near the floor. And yeah. Something just spat out the floor and killed you. It's like, what? Eh? Yep. So with your puny firing, the enemy waves moving quite fast and all over the place, collision with the floor happened more than I liked. It just led to frustration. I was like, oh, this is frustrating me now. I saw loads of comments saying, this is just too easy. I'm like, uh, it's not. It's boringly, boringly, boringly average. Cybex is still the pick of the bunch from this lot. As, yeah, as you know, And it's the budget one. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah. yeah, Zybex, certainly the best sidearms game we had this month. Of the three we had from out of nowhere. But um, yeah, Jet Boys was, nah. It was just like, is it better than sidearms? It's probably about the same as sidearms, really. I'd say about the same. Yeah. They're, they're all much for muchness, but Zybex is, you know, way, actually not much muchness. Zybex is way better. So just play that. Oh, there we go. CRL makes CRL games. Yeah, don't they just? They always have the same problems as well. But yeah. they're CRL games. That's it. They have, to, they have to go through the CRL filter. <laughs> so whatever that is i don't know the crap reality laser or something or other anyway there we go that's our games for this month so not this month this part we looked at pre- so we've done four games we're going to go away and take a quick break and we're going to come back there's not much in the way of films but we've uh we're going to talk about them anyway so i don't think the film section is going to last very long uh but we'll be back after this break to talk about what films did actually come out in march 1988 so see you in a moment <laughs> Cornish pasties filter their bursting seams and some lovely smooth gravy for our show sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, where you will find a whole bunch of brilliant audiobooks, bargain books, ebooks, and more. I can tell you, David once threw a toy frisbee into space for a laugh. That's just how he rolls. And is an amazing writer too. Check out this excerpt from his brilliant audiobook, Escape from the Commodore 64, which is available right now. She felt her energy levels go up as she approached another door and kicked it down, just like Joan Jett would have. Instinct told her to back away. It was then that the bird she had seen on the warlord's shoulder flew at her and attacked. Torn after the experience with the bull, where she hadn't wanted to fight, she did nothing to defend herself as the bird struck her and flew away. The dreaded virtual bird came in again and once more struck Sarah, who again did nothing to defend herself. She winced in pain, looking at blood seeping from her forearm, where a claw had cut her. 
Whoa, how good was that? I'll be having me some of that tasty audio goodness, I can tell you that. To get your own copy of that and all the other works from David, visit davidhearnwriter.com. That's david, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com. Now, go, go, go! And we are back. And it's the films. So films for 1988, March 1988. There's only a couple. Only two films were actually released this month. Would you believe it? It's just two. It's just, you know, so on the 11th of March, um, I can't remember what we were doing in February. I can't remember what it was, but you had to wait till the 11th of March. And then you could have gone to watch Someone to Watch Over Me. Mm -hmm, Okay. Do you ever watch this? Um, This is the, uh, what's his name, isn't it? Ridley Scott film. It's a Ridley Scott film, yeah. It's Tom Berenger, Mimi Rogers. Yeah. Now, I I have to say, I've seen bits of it, but I've never actually sat through the whole thing, which is, you know, I like Ridley Scott films, but I've never managed to make it through this one. Is it any good? I have not watched this since it was on video. I think I watched it back then. I don't remember it sticking with me very well. I watched the trailer. If you want to watch the film, just watch the trailer, um, which is on IMDb, because I, I just watched that. And so the actual trailer just tells you all you need to know about the film. It has some sleazy, slinky sex. It's basically in, I think, Tom Berenger is a cop who's married and he gets assigned to watch over Mimi Rogers, who has witnessed a murder created by a man whose face looks all kind of broken and like a pizza, played by Andreas Katzul. Um, and she basically, her and Tom Berenger, Berenger is married, I think, has a, a wife and stuff, but um, Mimi married. Rogers is up. Married, I think, yeah. Married? <laughs> he is. But obviously <laughs> then, you know, he spends a lot of time with her, and, there's, you know, and, and what can a man do when so much sleazy sax is played over the soundtrack oh. when he's faced with, you know, a woman like Mimi Rogers constantly? There's only so much temptation a man can resist. When you when when you hear that sleazy sax, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, you know it's you know what's going to happen. So it's one of them where she's a witness to a murder and late nineteen eighties murder. <laughs> you said murder. I, <laughs> I said murder. <laughs> <laughs> you said murder. <laughs> a cook who thinks he's a gardener. <laughs> well, Mrs. Lovelever. <laughs> Leave it, Lily. <laughs> we'll have to put that audio clip in now because people won't know what I'm talking about. I think we will have to. But yes, so this is it, it's it is really essentially late 1980s thriller writ large. Not much more to it, really. Mm. It's one of them. It's one of them. I, I, interestingly, the th- just looking in some sort of details about it, Sharon Stone auditioned for the part, the Mimi Rogers part. Makes sense, really. And she did not get it. Um, sleazy enough. Yeah, yeah, not sleazy enough. Not, not demure. Sleazy and demure. <laughs> uh, it was a massive commercial failure at the international box office. However, oh. Mimi Rogers then auditioned for the part in Basic Instinct, which Sharon Stone got. Ah, in your face, Mimi. Uh, so there you go. This is the first film, first uh, Lorraine Bracco's first film. Ridley Scott saw Tom Berenger when he, he asked Oliver Stone to see a, a early edit of uh, Platoon. Platoon. And he said, that's the person I want in my film, that Tom Berenger guy. Him. Him. Tom Berenger. And we all know that Ridley Scott's... Ridley, I was saying Ridley gets... Rid, we all <laughs> well, know if Ridley Scott asks for things, he gets them, is what I'm trying to say. It all came out wrong. If Ridley Scott's Ridley gets, I don't know what that even means. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. It does now. That's code. That's Ridley, that's Ridley code. <laughs> Will you be able to work out this complicated Ridley? Do you mean Riddle? I said Ridley. He's the Ridley, not the Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Bateman. <laughs> you can't you can't solve my Ridleys. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Ridley. You mean the Riddler? 
No, he's the Ridley. <laughs> no, the Ridley's something the, completely Riddler's different. He's, he's over there. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Confusing fool. Get out. <laughs> he's a little German. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting over there. Hello. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't know. There's not much more to say about something to watch over me. I did say this part's probably going to be quite short. There's probably might be more to say about the second film because two weeks later, you have to wait two weeks. You have to wait two weeks to get over the sleazy sacks. We had... <laughs> Uh, 25th of March, batteries not included, Mm. which to me, is it the culmination or is it the start of the aliens helping old people subgenre that didn't last very long and ended either started or ended with Cocoon? Um, uh, (laughs) Are there there any robots in Cocoon? (laughs) No, they're aliens, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I thought you said robots helping old people. No, sorry, thinking... I meant aliens. So aliens helping old people was a, was a weird subgenre of 80s movies. Yes, yeah, there was a few, weren't there? I don't know, I don't know oh, how. Was there a I few? Mean... I can only think of Cocoon and Batteries Not Included. Were there others? I'm just trying to think of where there's films with old people in where they get helped, generally. Um <laughs> I don't know that it's... I mean, that's mega niche, isn't it? I don't, I don't know. Probably is, the start of a genre. And it's maybe a genre of two. But <laughs> <laughs> at what point so, does, does two create... Does two mean it make it a genre, a subgenre, a niche genre? You are asking the wrong person. You need to speak to somebody who reads a very expensive and lavish French film magazine to understand that kind of language, <laughs> let me tell you. Well, can, we, don't can know. we get him on the phone? How many films are in his genre, you fool? <laughs> I don't know why I did it in that silly voice as well. Yeah. How many films make a genre? There you go. I it's a know. question. Is it two? <laughs> I think it's probably one if it's just, you know, a genre of its own making. Just a genre all of its own. So anyway, yes. Yeah, so I, I did think there was some um, correlation between this and Cocoon, aliens helping old people. But this is also very, you know, it's uh, Spielberg produced. Do you know the guy who directed this was Matthew Robbins? I read that it was him. I don't know who that is. Is he, he Tim Robbins' player? Uh, well, that's okay, I suppose. Yeah, he did Dragon Slayer. He did Mimic. He wrote Mimic, which mm, I quite like. Okay. Dragon Slayer was uh, all right, wasn't it? It was quite yeah, Dragon Slayer. Not violent, but there was a really gruesome bit of it. Yeah, he wrote and directed it. So yeah, very good. he's still writing stuff these days. Not not, not directed much, but um, yeah, it's one of them films, isn't it? It's just a mid-80s. People probably, some people have probably great affinity and liking for this film because it's very much in the uh, Joe Dante mold, I think. Um, it is in that it, kind of mode. It has it, that look and feel as well. It does because it's Spielberg produced um, yeah. and it's, I think it's John Williams scored. Um, mm. Which wouldn't surprise me. So it's Spielberg it like, light, then, really. It is, yeah. It's, Go- it's Goonies. It's in that light. Yeah. It's, it's very similar to yeah. Goonies as well, because it's also that genre as well of evil, evil property developers trying to boot people out of their houses. Uh, that, that, saved, well, now that was a that was a genre tr- genre trope, wasn't it? Yeah, that? that are then saved by some otherworldly or you know, ex- yeah. you know, some weird sort of happening. So in the Goonies, you had the the you know the bag of jewels that they find, or you know. Uh, Captain Willie's treasure, whatever it was. Um, yeah. In this, you've got the aliens coming down. So there's, there's I mean, and it, you even see it in later films like uh, Up, Pixar's Up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a sort of a thing that's a, a golden thread through some of them, isn't it? You're right. Yeah. So that notion of people being evicted and then some kind of weird yeah. thing coming to help them. So this is yeah. definitely an example of this. I don't really remember much about this. Do you remember much about it? I remember. I remember the visual effects being quite of their time. The little robot things being quite amazing to see when I saw the trailers and stuff for it. And when I rewatched the trailer, now I was like, yeah, they haven't aged so well. <laughs> they but, haven't. But they were. They were. I mean, obviously, they're not done with CG or anything like. I don't think so. This they're kind of they've made little mini robots that they've you know floating around on wires or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they look pretty impressive the way they've been composited on the. And there's probably an entire raft of information about the way that they were composited in some fancy pants way. I, rem- I remember them being interesting. I don't remember the film being very interesting, though. No, actually, music was by James Horner. Oh, Mr. Horner. So it's a James Horner. So it's going to be John Williams light. Yeah, and it's also going to sound like well, the other John Horner, James Horner pieces. Yeah, that classic YouTube 
video where it's just yeah. <laughs> the James Horner themes. They're just yeah, one of the yeah. same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He does, you know, he does compose to a to a you know a, a way. He does. There's no one really in this. It was, you know, I, 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 I didn't even have much time to watch these either. So I've got what a what a no, dull hunt for the say. cinema. How, it is. However, I'm gonna. Um, I found a website where um, I can give you the top ten films in the UK for that particular week of March. Oh, go on then. Yes, that's all. Um, it's, that'll a webca- it's a website called saltypopcorn.co.uk. Very handy. We'll put the link in there. It's a mighty handy item. Um, <laughs> it's got a real gang um, gimmick. Now, oddly, this gives me the top 12. So do you want the top 12 or do you want the top 10? I want as many as you can give me. Right, well, I'll give you the top 12 then. And we'll go from number 12. So in at 12, and this has got the actual box office receipts and all that. I'm not going to bother with that. I'm just going to tell you the name of the film. So in at number 12 was No Way Out. Oh, that was the crap Kevin Costner one we saw the other month, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Kevin Costner yeah. and Gene Hackman. At number 11 is With Nail and I. So oh. that must have come out at some point. Now, I don't know if that's a re-release. These are, this is cinema, I believe, as well. So number 10 is Beverly Hills Cop 2. Uh, number right. 9 is Adventures in Babysitting. Number 8 is Robocop. 7 is Switching Channels, which is a weird Ted Kocheff-directed Kathleen Turner thing. Oh, I, I do remember that, yes. I remember that. Um, it's got Christopher Reeve in that as well. Uh, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Burt Reynolds playing moustached guy that... You know, pitches woman's <laughs> bottoms and winks at them a lot. Um, Plain Strange Notmobiles is number six. Frantic is number five. The Last Emperor is number four. Someone to Watch Over Me is number three. Uh, Stakeout is at number two. And the number one film is Fatal Attraction, starring Michael Douglas, Glenn Close, and Annie Archer, which we've already spoken about some time ago. That was the chart for week commencing the 11th of March through to the 25th of March, All which right. is the kind of middle period. Yeah, so go. that's, I think we've covered most of them, haven't we? There's a couple there we've not. That switching channels we had. Yeah, we, we did at. look at that. Um, we, we haven't really looked. We haven't even spoken about with Nail and I. I don't know where that's no, featured, no. where that's come in. But well, um, we can, this you know, came out nineteen eighty seven. So uh, maybe it's a, it could be a re release in the it's UK cinema. So who knows? It could be Bob Cinema down the road has just been playing it back to back, and it attracts a thousand people a day for some reason. It's a bit of a weird cult hit, isn't it? That yeah. According to Wikipedia, it came out uh, in the UK, tenth of April, nineteen eighty-seven. Did we talk about it? I don't remember talking about with Nail and I. I mean, it is like a—it's just like another year. It's like a year ago, so we could have been ages ago that we looked at it. Yeah, it could have been. Anyway, we, we're talking about it now, and we won't go into it. But it's—it was number uh, eleven. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there we go, number eleven. So uh, yeah, just people going to see what's at the cinema because there's nothing else to do, is there? You've got it's no, it's no surprise that the films yeah. that we've just covered are the ones that are at the top uh, in no, the top ten. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But uh, Fatal, Attra- Fatal Attraction was a while back, wasn't it? Though. Yeah. Well, you know what the UK charts, cinema charts are like. I mean, we the films this particular time there were less cinemas, less multiplexes, so yes, the cinemas often had so. one or two or three screens max, really. And they they used to do lots of not they didn't do so many showings in a day. So they used to have maybe a morning, an afternoon, that sort of matinee, and an evening showing, and that was kind of your, that was kind of your lot. We, the local cinema to us, for example, only had three screens at and the three time. showings a day, wasn't it? And, and we had a sort of a mini one with the sort of Whitgift Theatre, which was like a little mini cinema in a school of all places. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So they only showed sort of you know a few screenings of different films. They didn't, you know, nowadays you go to a multiplex and they're back pretty much back to back over ten screens or whatever, aren't they? So yeah, and some of these some of these um, total grosses on this, by the way, are really bizarre. So, you know, they're all in the sort of lower millions. Total? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's the total gross for the UK. These are UK figures. Um, you can filter that for the website. I won't do that. We'll put the <laughs> link in there. Fill your boots, doing stuff with that. I don't know. So I've never come across it before. I just came across it and thought, ooh, historical box office. That might be useful. And it was. There you go. It was. Um, that's it. I said this section would be short, but don't worry, because we have got crap verts at the end of the episode as well and charts and what's going on next month. So, you know, don't feel shortchanged. Don't we can short, only talk no. about what's come out. And so 
you know, someone to watch over me and batteries not included. It's not a bang a month for um for movies, is it? So let's no, uh, let's let's uh, so you know, there's your top ten. We'll leave it at that. We'll we'll go away. We'll have another quick break now, and we'll come back because we've still got five games to cover. So you know, one of them is out of this world, quite literally, maybe. So we'll go away, and we'll come back in a bit, and we'll talk about them. A 10 kilogram bag of liquor short sorts and dolly mixture to our show sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, where you will find an amazing collection of audiobooks, bargain books, ebooks, and more. David currently holds the world record on Targ for throwing a shoe. He's also the author of the fabulous book, Escape from the Commodore 64. In fact, here is a little audio bite. We're now on the deck of a gargantuan galactic space freighter, Reese added helpfully. Apparently, the droids here, you'll meet one soon, turned against their masters. There are many decks here. Not the easiest game to beat, but not only is it worth a try, it's also one of my favourite games. Nell took in the consoles, lifts and swirling floor mats around them. She stood on one of the mats and felt her energy levels rise, happy electronic bleeps accompanying her. Wow, Nell said. I feel better already. Well, bless my barnacles. That is some good fishing. Please visit DavidHearnWriter.com. That's David, H-E-A-R-N-E, Writer.com to catch a whole lot more. And we are back. We've got five games, as I said, five games to get through, and that covers us for all of March. That's March done. And as I said, I said it's 101 games. As I say that, 101 games we'll have done for March, January, oh, January crazy. to March. Crazy lot of games. So let's get through these last five. Let's waste no more time and get into them. Graham, tell us what it's like to be a code hunter. So this is another budget game from Firebird. Um, this is coded by Gordon Hall who also did Force One and The Pawn, P-A-W-N. And I'm not, you know, I wasn't just saying he does The Pawn. And he doesn't. He made the game The Pawn. Uh, you don't know. You never know. The 80s were a dark and hairy time. Well, you know, maybe. <laughs> Graphics here are by Peter Tattersall. That's the guy, at least as far as I could ascertain, that did Akari Warriors and Miami Vice. So, interesting. Mm-hmm. With able assistance from Justin. Don't know his surname. Just Justin. Just Justin. Maybe just in time, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so Code Hunter then. Um, budget game. 83% it's got in Zap. Okay. Earth is in direct conflict with a fully automated battle star of unknown alien origin orbiting 20,000 kilometers beyond the Earth's outer atmosphere. Baltar. Intendo- Baltar. <laughs> Baltar. Baltar. <laughs> Possibly a silent welcoming committee. Um <laughs> <laughs> no need to raise the shields. That would just look, you know, hostile, <laughs> Baltar. <laughs> Your welcome committee is firing on my fleet. That's what they do sometimes when they get excited. Leave them be. Pay That's it no mind. That's how they say hello. That's how they say hello in Cylonese. <laughs> Small fires in docking bays are normal for them. Um, that's how that, that's how they share their love and express their feelings. Um, anyway, so this particular battle star of unknown alien origin um, that's orbiting 20,000 kilometers beyond the Earth's outer atmosphere is intent on destroying all organic life on the planet. The battle star's aggressive firepower has outmatched Earth's pitiful defense system like clubs against guns. I love that. <laughs> Clubs against guns. I mean, just really rub it in. Um, the only way the human race is going to survive is to deploy a code hunter intruder droid into the heart of the Battlestar's computer complex and decipher the codes that will deactivate the Battlestar's defences. Once these codes have been transmitted back to Earth, the Battlestar can be disarmed and destroyed by Starfighter Command. 
Yes. So in this game, the computer networks are constructed of a series of cubic nodules. Some of them bear signs indicating a specific function, which will affect your movement or status when you land on them. Um, So there are little ones with H's on that are teleports. There's things that are off and there's on. And I'll go through the the mechanics of what the game looks like and play. So the idea is you've got to make your way around the alien computer network, placing bombs on the nodules in the alien guard's path. When an alien collides with a bomb, it is destroyed, leaving behind its coded data, its precious lump of data. Mm. And which you can mm. then pick up. Mm. Once the device stops spinning, you can obviously you can collect that and move and collect its nodule. It's did you see nodules? Um, once all the aliens have been milked of all their nodules, um, and the... <laughs> how have you managed to make a game about robots into something grim? I <laughs> found a way. Nodules. <laughs> I, fa- I found a way. Um, once all the aliens have been milked of their juice um, and destroyed, the, the, the data device is collected. An indicator will show uh, how many of the 16 levels you have completed. You press fire to continue to the next level. Of course, you are awarded points the amount of energy you have left at the end of each network. Um, the joystick here controls your movement around. You press fire to place the bombs, and then you've got some rudimentary keyboard commands like stop and abort and things like that. Um, the graphics here are a classic arcade style, I would argue. Um, nothing too crazy. The paths are laid out in rows of a maximum of nine nodes, with some rows having gaps and special nodes, etc. So the main window is the game. At the top is the current high score, and at the bottom is the current score, number of remaining lives, and the sex level. All in one screen. Very simple arcade-style logic. Yep. Now, there's something to be said about simple ideas done well. They always seem to do well when they get the formula right. Here, we have a single-screen platform puzzler, and it's got a simple notion. Control your droid with the joystick across the various nodes, place the bombs to destroy the aliens, and when they collect them, pick them, pick up the remnants, pick up their remains, pick up their juice, their lovely juice. Mm. Um, obviously, you move around node by node, so you can't just like, it's no scrolling left and right, you kind of sort of hop almost onto the different sort of jump, jump maybe, I guess, onto the nodes. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are only allowed to do certain things. So you can generally, on the ones that are just playing, go and jump up and down and go on them left and right, but some of them have got arrows on and indicators, which means you can only go the way they dictate. And if you hand put land on it, they will push you to the left or right or push you up and you get the idea that you can't just run around dropping bombs. You've got to think about where you're going to place them and try and get out of the way and things like that, which makes this quite a nice little sort of chasing platform game. Yeah. There's also a nice atmosphere to this game and it's presented nice and simply. Nice sort of straightforward, simple presentation on the tout screen. A decent, if somewhat melancholy and bit avant-garde music for this, but it, it suits the game. It's not something that's going to bother you because it's just kind of there for, you know, ear filling. But it's all in keeping with the simple, pervasive logic of this game. The sprites are quite well drawn and actually, I think, decently shaded, really, for what they are, with some nice little sort of indications of rotating on them. So they have a little blob that goes around them. They they look quite nice. Everything in the game hops about at a decent pace. So you need to think fast when you're playing this game to work out where you need to be. And there's no bugs that I encountered. It just worked nicely. So it's a single screen, multi-screen, a single screen platformer where you hop about. We've played games similar to this, I think, in different guises. There's probably a little bit of Qbert logic maybe in this from one position. We've played others where you're hopping about different levels. Mm. Perhaps a bit of a uh, throwback to some of the earlier games that we've played. Like that um, Collapse. That collapse, yes, yes. And it's just, it's because it's it's going back to keeping things simple. Keeping things simple is a good idea. So I think the progression might be a little bit punishing in this. That's the only fly in the ointment. It's 199, remember, because obviously there's no save game here. Um, so if you get quite far into it and die, well, you're going back to you know the beginning. And I think once you know the pathways around some of these, but there's only 60 levels, remember, but once you know the pathways around them, they do get really challenging very quickly. The first one you might, you'll get through eventually. The second one actually gets really quite hard, but that's the nice part about it because it's just like quick in and out of the game. There's no 
silly screen. You don't really start and have to go through some sequence. It's just in, out, in, out, quick. And, and that's, uh, that's a very attractive proposition based on some of the crappy games we've had to play. So I think for £2, this is a really decent platform puzzler game for the money. And I really liked it. It lends itself to modern mobile devices as well. So and because of that, I think it's got a nice timeless quality. It feels like an arcade game. Maybe it was one. I don't know. There's some. Maybe it's maybe it's leaning on some game I've not heard of. But I thought this was a real winner, a butte, one might say. <laughs> and I thought it was good fun. Um, and it's certainly the best budget game that we've come across for a while. I mean, I know there's BMX Kids and stuff like that, but these budget games are really giving these full price games a run for their money at the minute. I thought this was good. What about you? Uh, yeah, another addition to the decent budget single screen puzzlers. Uh, this is a uh, smart game, this, um, with a strange premise, but one that requires quick thinking and reflexes to figure out each screen as you progress onto it. Like I said, there's only 16 levels, so I can see why there's no password system is something that does normally annoy me. But I think with 16 levels, that's not too bad. It's not too much. Um, and I guess you, you might complete this fairly quickly if you stuck at it, but you would probably enjoy your time with it. And I think that's the most important part. The mechanics are fairly simple. So, you know, maybe 16 screens is all there would need to be to ensure it kind of didn't outstay its welcome. The visuals are nice. They're, they're good. They're chunky, but they're well drawn. They're well shaded. There's a pleasant title screen. There's good sound effects. Nice music. It's all, it's all good. It's well presented and it's nice to play. For two quid, this would have certainly felt like a solid purchase and would have kept me entertained for as long as it took to complete it. Again, I've said the same thing that you said. Keep it simple and to the point. And you can create something that is enjoyable to play. Um, decent game, this. I really enjoyed it. I like the way, you know, you've got to sort of work out the the, the way that the uh, those enemies are sort of bouncing around. Because what's good about this is that they follow the same logic that you do. So um, if they hit an arrow pointing to the right or they hit an arrow pointing to the left, they'll have to move that way. They can't, they can't break the rules. So the rules of the level apply both to you and to the uh, sort of enemy droids that are bouncing around. And I think that's quite an important, and that allows you to understand this and play it. And so it feels like a fair game, because you know where everything's generally going to go, and that feels nice. And and I enjoyed my time with this. I was playing this quite a lot. I got a fair few levels in, um, and it, like you said, it, it ramps up quite quickly. But I think once you've learned them, you kind of know where to go. So it's a bit, it can get a bit rote, but, but I think that's why there's only 16 levels. Learning all of them, yeah, good. I like this Code Hunter. I would have sizzled this mm. or, or silver medaled this, personally. I think, I think, I think it's as good as... I, th- I thought this was as good as Zybex and uh, Battle Valley. Yeah, um, I'd agree. Just, I'd agree it's just a, different, just a different kind of game, but certainly for two quid, this is a this is a bargain. I would have been all over this. Yeah, really good. Mm, good. Yeah, good, 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 good. Code Hunter. We like Code Hunter. See what you can do with something simple? Keep it simple. That's the best way. Absolutely. I'm sure they'll do that in the next one. Let's see what happens. Another budget <laughs> title, so let's move into that. <laughs> Okay, okay. Droid Dreams. Droid Dreams. Well, this is another budget title. It's from Bug Bite, and it gives us a definition for the term dog egg. It really does. And then some. This has got quality written all over it, as you can tell from the back Mm. of the box, which tells us this is a shoot-em-up arcade adventure with plenty of fast action, 20 different objects to collect, and six levels. That's what that's all it says. It's like, like nothing. <laughs> that's all you'll ever need. Inside, though, the sto- it tells you the story. And it's, it's that you are a dreaming droid called Psy. And your aim is to get out of the spacecraft that you are adventuring in via the teleporter. In order to do this, you have to destroy all the enemy droids, give and receive objects from the friendly droids, and pass through the gates using the requisite items. You also need the mysterious G-Pass to change levels. Electrodes and pulsating bombs are bad, so stay away from them and get out within an hour or before losing all your five lives. Otherwise, it is game over. There you go. I've read worse premises for games. That jet boys yeah. was stupider, but hey ho. It was. 
uh, but I haven't played many that are worse than this. The title screen is a garish mess of pulsating colours and a tune that will make you shove a black and decker drill into your ear and turn it on. All of this is from one <laughs> Sean Smith, and there's no other game listed from him. So this is a one-shot deal, and that's probably a good thing, as coding and making games was not Sean's greatest strength. I hope he's gone on into a great career in insurance or something, just as long as it's nowhere near video games, because he's that's, you know, I, I, hope, I wish him all the best in the world. Just don't come near video games if this is what you create. Should you leave the title screen for a while... Did you do this? The first of two bits of speech spurts out. It just shouts, play, 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 play. <laughs> did you hear? Did you get that bit? <laughs> yes, yes, I was like, ah. And you can play it, obviously. You do that by pressing fire, at which point more speech in tones, play, droid, dreams. You have to put the speech in here. You have to get it out of the game. <laughs> Awful. The game starts with more crazy colours, and the ugliest game I've seen for a while appears. The bottom half of the screen is the overly ugly UI, where we have a bar for our oil, our score, the game time played, what hardware we have, which consists of a spanner, blaster, axe, and grav pass, and then the number of lives just re- represented by pixelated cock shapes. <laughs> That's what I, that's it what it they, is what it is. That's what they look like. They look like bouncing cocks. <laughs> In uh, true catchphrase uh, tradition, <laughs> you're just saying what you saw. <laughs> saying what I saw. Absolutely. Roy Roy would have approved at the bouncing cocks. At the game at the top is a bi-directional shooter that is reminiscent of V, except far uglier in every aspect. Your droid floats in the middle of a corridor seen mm. side-on, but it looks like some kind of cross between a floating turtle and E.T. The background <laughs> is rubbish and ugly and hard to make out, and within seconds, enemies whiz on from one side or other at random and shoot you, and there goes one of your lives, and you have to go through that horrible, horrible intro process again. Should you try to move, then you can move up and down and left and right and shoot stuff. Collision with stuff might kill you, it might not, it's hard to tell. This and Brave Star in, a, in one episode is a, is a lot to take. You know, these sort of side-scrolling shooters which don't do anything well. You can press F3 to bring up a map of the ship, but it's ugly and horrible. You can press F5 for help, but this just brings up some cryptic nonsense. Or F7 to quit, and I'd advise you to do this. Movement is horrible. The shooting is lame. The feeling of control is lacking. There's no semblance of coherence to anything that you're presented with. The enemies are ugly, random, and move far too fast for you to do anything and spew bullets at you randomly that will inevitably hit you as the playing space is too small if you go on the floor it's hard to get flying again every time you die you are told you are terminated before the garish colours reappear every time I had a game over I was told I completed 15% of the game even though I'd barely moved and not done anything this is a true <laughs> arse cake of a game rubbish in every respect there's not one positive thing I could take away from this monstrosity and that Bugbite had the temerity to ask for 3 quid for this when we just played Code Hunter for 2 quid it's just taking the piss it's just taking the piss Jesus this, this mm. was awful awful you messaged me saying you're going to hate it, and you were right. You were right about that saddle. This was dreadful. One of the worst things I've... It doesn't make any sense. Why would you dream so horrible? This isn't droid dreams. This is droid nightmares. This is android nightmares. Cyborg hell. Yeah. Oh, this is what Robocop is doing in that... He's dreaming of in that chair when he's going, eh, 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 from side oh, to God. side. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I can think of. This was dreadful. You? Did you get anything from droid dreams? No, nothing apart from a you know a, a headache and a runny nose. <laughs> First class return to Osmium. <laughs> <laughs> this is an utterly shit side-scrolling thing. Thoroughly unpleasant in every way. Um, yep. With the world's worst Sid version of Borderline I have ever had the displeasure of hearing. Oh, I thought I recognised it. Oh, yes. That was Madonna's Borderline, all right. Oh, God. I thought there was like a couple of notes. I was like, that sounds like something. And then it went off and some... It's Borderline, <laughs> Jim, borderline, but not as borderline. we know it. It's bloody shite. <laughs> um, discordant, bitonal, frustrating nightmare. It's the worst kind of horror that your ears could ever encounter. It's made me want to, as you say, drill into my own skull. Um, yep. I had felt like trepanning myself badly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
The horribly badly drawn sprites are replete in every respect here. There is no let up from them. They're all bad and just get worse. The sprite collision is a spectacular disaster. Um, <laughs> yes. I was being blown up by things that I was nowhere near. And I was grateful for it because I'm thinking that just makes this torturous nightmare end quicker. Yep. We won't call them sprites in any way, shape or form. These are just collections of pixels that resemble things, but nothing you'll recognize um, and nothing good. It's got the naffest UI I've ever seen. The in-between screens are some kind of rast- badly bad-lined raster effect that should never be used in that way for anything ever. Nope. Um, that's the only thing that that's good for is if it's the part where the game is unpacking and it makes that squeaky horrible sound and you get a kind of a screen full of gibberish. That's yep. the only excuse for having that. It was horrible to play. It felt bitty and disjointed. It hurts the brain and the eye and the ear. <laughs> Thank God it's the only game from Mr. Smith. Good. Make sure there's no more. <laughs> Absolutely. Awful. Yeah. 13% Zap gave that. I think that's generous. I would. This is going into the realms of End of Casino again for me. <laughs> I'm going to pop your eye up for this one. This is, this is, I'm going to put, you know, this game's going in the vice and it's going to, going to go pop its head open like a melon. Yep. Yeah, it's not good. Awful, awful no. droid dreams, honestly. No one's having dreams like that. Nobody, not even droids. If they did, they'd just they'd unplug their own fuses. <laughs> Absolutely. It'd be that one in uh, the Robocop 2 where they're trying out all those <laughs> yeah. different robots. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> just blow its own brains out, yeah. <laughs> Why did it do that? It was, in its mind, there was droid dreams. Oh <laughs> my droid God, no. dreams. <laughs> Yeah. The, awful, awful waste of bloody... Um, three quid. Get lost, you rip-off merchants. Yeah, bug bite. We're, we're finding bite. out a lot about these companies, aren't we, that they are just shysters. Bug shite. Just awful. Awful <laughs> people. Yeah. Awful. This is buggy monstrosity. You don't release this on the world, you bug bite charlatans. <laughs> you don't. You really don't. What if, um, What have you done? What have you done? Now, this <laughs> this is like that movie, um, The Mummy Returns, or The Mummy, either of those, where they unleash that bloody... <laughs> the Rock. Mummy. Yeah, well, no, that's not before, the one before The Rock. Same difference, really. The, what's he called? Ramitep, whatever he's called. Or, Imhotep. Imhotep. They've released, this is, they've released Imhotep. This is the gaming equivalent of Imhotep. <laughs> it's not a good thing to have unleashed upon the world, you know. <laughs> no, so, it's a- not. Amunatra's just been revealed in the desert to everybody over it's called. Hamunatra, whatever it's we've, called. We've certainly got a contender here for Sunday Best, I can tell you that. Bloody hell, yeah. Gonna have to, you know, I, I, I hope that is the one that wins because that means we're not going to play anything worse than that this year. I don't, <laughs> I don't hold out hope that that's going to be the no. case, but it, no. it, I do hope that that is the case. There we go. Joy Dream, bloody awful. Uh, let's move on quickly. And Graham, <laughs> this bloody thing. Um, tell us about Mac. Also, tell us what Mac stands for. So Mac is from Star Vision Games. Mac stands for Maneuverable Armed Computer Humans. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Maneuverable Armed Computer Humans. So they, to be fair, that has taken some linguistic leisure domain. All right, that is proper. Someone sat there and gone, Mac. What? How can we make that acronym? What can it be? Armed Computer Humans is. What's the M? Uh, Maneuverable. <laughs> Uh, manageable, uh, multi, you know, ma- marmalade, <laughs> multi, yeah, multi would multi armed, yeah, multi armed, yeah, or you know, massively armed. I don't know, massively would have been anyway. <laughs> or don't call it, it Mac. Sure, yeah, or you don't, don't call, have to it, call Mac. it Mac. No, Big Mac, the maintenance man, was a Mac, wasn't he? But anyway, um, so this is coded by Thomas Zellikman. The graphics are Torben Bacasia. I'm sorry about my pronunciations. I don't know what language that is, and I don't know what I'm saying. So I'm just reading them as phonetically as possible. 
Yeah. Title screen Sam Hepworth and the music is uh, now is this Johan Bejegard or I don't yeah, know how you say heard, that. we've heard him before, haven't we? We've had I don't know how you him. say the certain I don't know how you say, but yes, we have. And he's actually a very, very good musician. There's loads of great music. He's a big in the yeah. demo scene, that guy. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. as well as the games and stuff. Great stuff. So I've got no problem with that. An evil robot called Nectron. Nectron the robot. <laughs> there always evil robots out there. Who makes them? The Nectron Corporation have made a load of robots. What is this one evil? Yeah. All right, oh. well, that, you know, that one's Bob Bob the Friendly Robot. Call that one Nectron. Um, all right, but with a name <laughs> like that, it's, it's likely to be an evil robot if we call it Nectron. Because, they, you know, they're not, you can't make an evil robot. They become evil if they become kind of sentient, surely. Robots, yep. by, you'd, have to be, you'd have to be programmed to be evil, which means the people that invented Nectron are the evil ones. Let's not go into too deeply into that, though. Um, <laughs> no. Nectron's enslaved three planets. Enslaved three planets, he has. I don't know how or why. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <sighs> And it's the player's job to take on the role of the manoeuvrable armed computer humans. Oh, the Macs. <laughs> Here come the Iron for the Mac. Isn't it a song, that? Na, 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 na. Oh, Return of the Mac, yeah. Return of the Mac. And yeah. uh, you've got to free the planets. And in, to do that, there's three levels in this game. And you've got to shoot loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of shit on each level to get to the next level. And do, in doing so, you win. That sounds like a porn euphemism. Free the planet. Uh, <laughs> free those lovely lovely planets <laughs> of all their lovely juice <laughs> nodules <laughs> nodules of juice anyway so the action takes place in a multi-directional screen uh, scrolling stages seen from the top down perspective what's that what is that? I don't, oh, it graphic? is yeah it's just it's top down That'll top do. down and the goal of as i've said the goal of the stages is to destroy a set number of certain types of enemy beginning with the weak vacillators <laughs> God. Followed by the more resilient and heavy-armed Gyphons, or Gyphons, and finally, Large Motherships. They don't have a name. They're just called Large Motherships. You could have given them an exciting name. <laughs> yeah, the Mahuvians. Have you killed something. the facilitators? Yes, we've killed the, vacil- the vacillators. What about the Gyphons? Yes, we've killed them. And the Large Motherships? Uh, oh, well, yeah, we have, but give them a name. Anyway, there's actually quite a lot of other enemy types as well, I think, but those are the ones you've got to shoot, regardless of all the other crazies running around. Mm. Sometimes they drop power-ups that replenish your energy or give you extra weapons and stuff like that, or more powerful weapons. Won't really make a difference to the way it plays out. you just got to kind of fly around and shoot stuff. The game gets increasingly difficult as the number of enemies that have to be sure decreases, and believe you me, there's a lot of them. Especially in that, towards the, towards the second and third level, you're going to be playing this for some time, doing the same thing over and over again. At the end of each one of those, the mothership starts appearing, and of course, then when you do that, you go to the next level. But like, thankfully, there's only... Um, it's a return, Adrian, a return to the 360-degree shooter. We've not had any of them for a little while. Not no. like this. Um, not since not we like, had Hunter's like Moon. This. But No, but unfortunately, Hunter's Moon exists, which kind of made all the other 360-degree shooters look crap. So Hunter's Moon yeah. exists. Therefore, if you're not as good as Hunter's Moon, then what, you're in what are shonky you? company. Yeah, what are you really? So the benchmark for these 360 shooters is extremely high. This one had, I think, multiple loading levels. For reasons I can't explain or understand, but it did. I mean, it took ages to start for me. So when I went to start, it took a while. Present presentation, this was okay. Had a decent title screen, if somewhat badly named the game in the way it could have been. But it does have a decent presentation. The graphics and the feel of it aren't terrible here. That's not really the main problem with it anyway. Um, and it does have a decent bit of music. But you're in strong company. You're in, you know, you're, you're going to go toe to toe at full price with Hunter's Moon, and you're not going to win with this. You're not. You're not going to, no. No. Um, I sense, so the game plays out as I've described. You, you fly around, you control the spaceship with your joystick, shoot at stuff and keep shooting at stuff and keep shooting at stuff and shooting at stuff. Backgrounds are kind of meant to be, give you this this idea that you're flying over a city, I think, because they've got kind of a very sort of skyscrapers going into the distance at the bottom. But the perspective's all kinds are wrong. Yeah. And as you fly over a building like that, the building perspective would change. 
Yes, it so, would. And it doesn't end this. So that kind of breaks the idea. I can see what they were trying to do and with a C64. Okay, but you know what? If it's going to look stupid, here's an idea. Don't do it. Just do it flat buildings with shadow. Would have made so it's an autographic camera then. Yes. I mean, I, I sensed a bit of demo logic in here because the opening sort of title screen has some raster bars going around and I thought, hmm, that looks like a... It actually looked a bit like an intro. And I thought, ironically, when it started, that I was still on the intro that I've loaded for the cracked game that we had. So I kept pressing the space bar and I was like, oh, that's the actual game. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> um, just because it had that kind of vibe. Visually and orally, this this is things to like here, I suppose. It, the, the spaceship designs aren't bad. The sprite design isn't terrible. The backgrounds aren't bad, bad. And the scrolling is quite nippy and fast. And it, it, it works out as a game where you're shooting around and flying about and doing stuff. And can you do a lot of that? Well, you will be doing a lot of that. There's nothing else to it. Is That's that's kind of it. As I said, the main window contains the action. There's a small UI. gives you your energy bar, your score, some coordinates, I think, for reasons I, I explained. I don't know why, but maybe maybe you have to go to a central point where the mothership is. I don't know. I don't know why. It just when I, I've noticed that there were some coordinates there. The graphics are a kind of variation of base relief. There's okay backgrounds, like I said. Meant to be that idea of skyscrapers that you find over. Kind of doesn't work, but okay, we'll get, let it go. They are, there are quite a different bunch of sprites here. They move around swiftly, and you know, once you're blasting, if you like this kind of 360 blaster, there's just better ones, like, better ones of this. It just feels like we've been here before, and this has little of anything new to offer. And it's really hard as well. It really is quite a difficult game. I mean, I know Hunter's Moon was no walk in the park, but this one is, that got away with it because it had varied gameplay and it was tough, but you could sort of feel like you could get better at it. This one is just a relentless onslaught. And we played, remember back in the early episodes of this podcast, a lot of those early games were just relentless onslaughts of stuff. Z was a relentless onslaught, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? And a few others like that. But this is full price. So it really on the shelf, you're going toe to toe with Hunter's Moon. And if you did get this and pay full price for it, and when you loaded it up after you'd laughed yourself silly at the stupid name, which you would probably have known from the box, maybe if they could fit it on the side, you'd be looking at it and your mate would come around who'd got Hunter's Moon and go, wow, that's that's great. That's really good. Try this one. You'd go, ah. Oh. And you'd be thinking, <laughs> why didn't I buy that? Because it's way better. Middle of the road score. you chose poorly a middle of the road score for a middle of the road game it's 48 pretty much bang on 50 percent. that's all it deserves full price though that's a bit that's a bit of a kick in the old uh planetary uh balls that one did you like uh mac not really you feel did you feel like you were maneuverable in arm (laughs) (laughs) i felt like i was a computer humanoid It's a knockoff version of the last mission, isn't it? So that arcade. Yeah, same logic. So That's what I said in the Zat review. So, yeah, yeah so which which in itself wasn't particularly good. <laughs> so you know, this unsurprisingly is not that good. <laughs> you copy a, no. a game that's not great. It's like you better improve on it, yeah. and you haven't. Yep. As you said, there's some nice presentation, and so so front end is nice. The music throughout is a standout feature of this. Um, you know, that's this good. The visuals they're okay. The game itself is boring and repetitive. It's that eight-way shooter that never communicates. I couldn't understand really. I, I knew I had to shoot, you know, with lots of these things, but it just kept changing and numbers kept going down or up and stuff just dampening and I don't know, and soon I was dead. It doesn't really communicate what it wants to the player very well. So because they all had different names, the Gyphons and the Facilitators or whatever, it just was like, what's going on? This Just, just let me shoot stuff. <laughs> you know, just either give me a proper goal or just, but it's just, uh, the controls are okay. I mean, they're eight-way, but really I want some subtlety in how I turn these days rather than just standard eight-way directions so uh, i want left and right to turn me a bit and forward yeah, to yeah. shoot and i want that like i think that's what we got in hunter's moon wasn't it i think so yes. if, yeah. so you know, i want to turn rather than just point in a direction and fly that way yeah, yeah, I, just, yeah. I don't like that and i just don't like the way that works because uh, there's no finesse or fine control of where you're shooting you've got eight directions no. that's it it's an average blast of this, as you've said some okay music and there's very little more to be said about it aside from the stupid acronym name which is very stupid indeed. Um, <laughs> it's S T U 
P-I-D. Answers <laughs> yeah. on a postcard, please. <laughs> what that might mean. Yeah, if you can go with an acronym for stupid that describes this game, well done. Uh, Mac, many <laughs> armed, what, what was it again? Multi-armed, mechanically it's, armed? It's it's manoeuvrable, manoeuvrable. computer computer humans. We, they're robots to you and me, though, but let's call them what they are, computer humans. Some guy's like, is this a robot? You've made it. It's a computer human, I think you'll find. This is the equivalent of that guy in Aliens going, we prefer the term artificial person. You're an, you're an android. No, we're you're a computer human. I'm a computer human, I think you'll find we like to be called. And I've got manoeuvrable arms. I'm moving my arms right now. In the context of that conversation, Aliens, he goes, because um, he says, doesn't he, um, was it a Cyberdyne model? Oh, the old 2082s, they were a bit twitchy. If you want to be known as a synthetic human, don't refer to your colleagues by their designated <laughs> by their serial numbers. numbers. Yeah. Call Bob. You know, Bob, yeah, or Fred. But our Fred was always a bit twitchy. Not, yeah, oh, yeah. Was he a 635 model? Oh, they were always crap. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, You're a robot. <laughs> they had a real Sorry, sort of programming book where they would want to ram a, a, a magazine into people's mouths. They never did iron that bug out. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was that, that one problem. Everyone brings up that problem. Right? It's like, oh yeah, I've got. I'm gonna kill the first officer on the ship or whatever she was. <laughs> Everything I Everyone can do that's right, that. but as soon as you give me a magazine, it's in the mouth. It exactly. goes. <laughs> so, you, know, you ask him to do one job, and he then tries to <laughs> sacrifice the entire crew for the sake of an alien. You're gonna hold it against this company forever with that, are you? <laughs> right. One mistake he made. One mistake. All right, many mistakes. Many but... mistakes he made. But, you know, he was still a computer human, and you'd do well to he remember was. that. Yes, you would. <laughs> now, manoeuvre uh, your arms. <laughs> your highly manoeuvrable arms. Manoeuvrable armed. Just makes yes. no sense. Well, I'm manoeuvrable and armed. Well, not. I've got arms <laughs> so and I'm manoeuvrable. I'm not also, armed anything, but... I Also, I'm just looking at the, uh, the title screen of it, the sort of loading screen as well. They're wearing man nappies. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> it's Return of the Man Nappy. We've not seen that for a while. We've not seen that well, since that bird man. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Since, uh, what was that? Uh, what was that? that was our crap vert of the year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was the bird bulge. Yeah, it's the return of the bird bulge, but it's in re- new yeah, pants. Well, this is multi-armed bird bulge. Computer, <laughs> co- you know, computer, computer humans. <laughs> Not robots, remember. Computer, please. But we prefer the term <laughs> computer human. Uh, I mean, they even, not even allowed to call them repli- What were they in that other crappy game? There wasn't replicants. What were they called? It was... I went repli droids. Repli droids. Are you a repli droid? No, I'm a repli don't. Isn't that a repli can't? No, I'm a repli don't. I'm a repli don't. And this is my um, computer human, human compadre friend. here. Yes, my computer human friend. Which is he? He's uh, more than a fusion of the two. Absolutely. Don't give him a magazine. <laughs> Let's go in a place you won't like. <laughs> With a really weird noise that he makes that goes... <laughs> you know, why did they program that in? He's programmed. It's a robot. Why did they make it that the thing that he does? When he's frustrated and he's trying to kill someone with a magazine, he makes a really weird noise. Absolutely. That's so I suppose his, it's like a warning, but it's that's like... That's how you know he's doing something wrong. Yeah, that's his wrong noise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just out the court, just in the background, you, you suddenly hear, brr, brr, oh, he's doing something wrong again. What's How he doing? How unnerving would that be if you're on a science mission and you're doing something really delicate and he malfunctions and starts brr, brr, behind you like, Christ's sake, Ash, bloody shut up. I'm, you know, you made me drop this precious, this precious egg. I'm not looking over it because never magazine. look over an egg. Exactly. <laughs> never look over an egg. Never look over the egg. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> That's Mac. Anyway, manoeuvrable armed droids, robots. Which Ma, I suppose, is not not that good a name. Ma. <laughs> it's 
Because all of it's still better than Droid Dreams, so... Oh, that's true, actually, yeah. What have we got? Computer humans, droid dreams, very uh, robotic. This, this And yeah. uh, code, that code one was robotic as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, yes. The, the robots, robots are back. Well, one. the computer humans, sorry, are back. The computer humans are back, but they're not back for our next one. Let's move into our next one because we've got to get on with this because we've got more Burl coming up. And our next one is an arcade conversion. It is Rastan Saga. Rastan Saga. Um, mm. Originally from Tato. Tato. Um, this was released. <laughs> you in... say it that way as well. <laughs> you have to. Every this... time. <laughs> Tato. <laughs> this was released in the arcade in 1987 under the name Rastan. Rastan. The plot of the arcade goes that you are Rastan the Barbarian on his way to kill a dragon in his lair. On the way, you kill loads of enemies. That's it. That's the arcade plot. The home console version has fleshed that out somewhat, with the action now taking place on the planet Marana. Rastan has recently thwarted the plans of the evil wizard Karg. Suffice to say, the wizard is not happy, <laughs> so he unleashes all the demons of hell onto the world. Rastan, being the leader and mightiest of the local barbarians, sets out to kill all the demons, and then Karg, who has taken the form of a mighty dragon. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's overegging the pudding somewhat for this. Too many eggs in that <laughs> pudding. Way too many eggs. Somebody's looked over all eggs. the eggs and pudding them. That is honestly, that's just egg pudding. That's all egg. <laughs> yeah, this port is from Imagine. Was coded by John Megan. Uh, he did uh, slap fight and some other stuff. It's got graphics by Jane Lowe, Martin McDonald, and John Palmer, and music by Martin Galway. The home version follows the layout of the arcade version pretty faithfully with similar level layouts and style of play. This is essentially a right to left. A 2D hack and slash with hordes of enemies awaiting death at the end of whatever weapon you may be wielding at the time. The game starts with a Barbarian Brown loading screen. Barbarian Brown, by the way, is what I've called uh, Warhammer's Shade. <laughs> it's what I think we have. <laughs> <laughs> they do have the Barbarian Brown going on. Because it was on, the, gauntlet, the, gauntlet loaded, the Gauntlet 2 loading screen used a lot of Barbarian Brown. Uh, this has Barbarian on. Brown. And I'm hoping that he the is. loading screen for when we get to Barbarian 2 has more Barbarian Brown. No, but I we'll don't doubt that there is. And it's got a really basic looking title screen, like a lot of these arcade conversions do. Pressing fire loads in the first level. It's another multi-load arcade conversion, so it is what it is. Seems to be the de rigor at this moment. So once in, you'll notice that, as expected, the quality of the visuals have taken a turn for the worse. Sprites are not terrible, but it looks like someone's got the arcade sprites and really turned up the blur on them. That's what they kind of look like, as they're recognisable shapes. Not the music also- band blur. But the actual no, blur just, you know, they've just gone heavy on the Gaussian, but all seem very blurzy and blurry and indistinct. Blurzian's a good word for it, actually. Blurzian, yeah. <laughs> the backdrops though have been reduced to the colour reduced to the colour black <laughs> for the most part, with some grey mountains along the top. It's like it makes are you sense. Gonna, are you gonna do any of that bottom bit? I have. It's black. <laughs> oh, okay. Can you see all the detail in there? Yeah. All the nice colours of the arcade game have been replaced by an ugly, monochromatic appearance that robbed the game of most of its arcade look and feel. Anyway, the game sees you trudge from left to right and swing your sword at any enemy that approaches. One hit, and they are toast. The UI has your score, the high score, and your energy bar. And what I think is an armour bar? I don't know. There's two bars. And it's yeah. connected to a heart, and it, it doesn't make any sense. It's a health bar. Whatever. There are collectibles to be found along the way, such as different weapons in the shape of axes and maces, and there's even a fire-spitting sword, or some of the energy-spitting sword thing. There's armor and shields to help you take less damage. There's medicine, which gives you back energy. Uh, there's others which give you bonus points and the like, and there's poison and things like that. Don't pick up them, obviously, but yeah, whatever. There's gems to give you more score and stuff like that. The controls are pretty simple. You walk left and right. Up is for jump. Down is for crouch. Up and fire, there's a larger jump. If you're... You, if you jump, if you jump and you press up and fire, 
then you can do a you sort of do a hit upwards. And supposedly if you're jumping and then you put downwards and fire, it does a sort of thrusting downwards maneuver, but it was a bit tricky to actually pull that one off. You can climb on ropes and jump off them. And at times you, you must even swing on ropes uh, to cross certain gaps and things like that. The levels are a series of platforms and landscapes that are made up of solid ground and water or lava, both of which kill you on contact in a really overdramatic way. His death in this is massively <laughs> overdramatic. He's, 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 got, he's gone to he's gone to like the Berthold Breck school of death death animations because <laughs> he's like he dies. <laughs> he really feels away. his death, doesn't Absolutely. he? Does. <laughs> I'm got... so I'm going to I'm sampling that noise and that is reappearing in this podcast. <laughs> you have three lives, but you do get three continues as well, so you get nine lives really. Progress is made through the six levels. At the end of each level, is a boss that needs to be beaten to move on to the next level until you get to Karg and try and defeat him. That's it. This is arcade. It's, you know, move left to right, kill everything. So is this any good? The game does resemble the arcade counterpart. It, it does, you know, it and, and the levels are quite faithful. They're actually quite similar, but it seems to be quite buggy and even fatally so at one point. Um, yep. In my own experience playing this, after the first time I played this, I have to go barely any distance into the first level. I was suddenly transported to the palace area at the end. Yeah, so, it does that sometimes. And then upon moving a couple of levels through that, I was facing the boss and that was the level done. I was like, uh, uh, what's just happened? I don't know. I restarted again and then I had to trust through the entire level. I was like, oh, this because I looked at the arcade game and went, God, they've, they've cut this down quite a lot. But then when I played it again, the level sort of opened up. I was like, oh, actually, they haven't. It's all there, but mm, wish it won't. More importantly, widely reported, uh, I didn't get there, So you know, but this this is supposedly common knowledge, is a bug on the fourth level with a swinging rope that is impossible to get past, thus making the game impossible to complete without cheats. So that's not great. So that's the second game we played this this <laughs> this week where you can't complete it. That's really bad. Mm, I mean, Droid bad. Dreams is bad, but... I imagine you might be able to complete it, but these full price games where there's a game stopping bug, that's really not on. I mean, that's unforgivable. You, it really is bad, especially you know, you know, it's not like they can, you know, back then they can't release a you know post release patch or anything. It's just rubbish. More importantly, though, this game, even with the you know, it's got some decent music by Galway. It's dull. This is a really dull version of the arcade game. Again, it's like predator. It's just dull. The pace is plodding. There's no real sense of doing much beyond wandering along and swinging the sword every now and again. There's no real difference in the way the weapons work, so the sword feels the same as the axe and the mace. The scrolling is annoying, is that when you jump up a level, it stops you moving, even though the enemies continue to move towards you whilst it scrolls the screen up to your to where you've now jumped up to, which is dead frustratingly annoying, um, and I hated that. Creating a very stop and start and annoying flow to the game. If you take out the game crippling bug, uh, it's not. It may be not as bad as some conversions we've seen in this genre. It's better than Legend of Cage and that ilk and things of those sort of levels we've seen. Shaolin's Road, but its main issue lies in the source material, which some people really liked. But I was not. I was never a good Rastan fan. This was not an arcade game that I particularly liked. I was more of a, a Rygar fan, which is a similar sort of thing, but that had you know a more kinetic. You know, you had a smashy yo-yo, and as we said in that that game, I loved the bloody yo-yo. I loved the smashy yo-yo. It's such a cool thing to sort of swing around with. Yeah, you know, it's much better than a sword. It's way more fun. You had stuff coming up from the ground. It was better music. I like that much better. Problem is, you cannot ignore the fact that this game is impossible to beat, so it renders everything about it moot. A broken game has been released here, which seems a bit reprehensible. But going by the level of quality that we're seeing in a lot of releases at the moment, seems more par for the course. Disappointing, really. This on every level. Not a lot else I can really say. It's not a great arcade conversion. It's it's okay. It's not bad. It has all the features of the arcade, but you can't finish it. So, what do you think? Mm. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Poor Rastan. Poor Rastan Saga. 
Singapore thing. I quite like the Taito Arcade. And when I finally came across it, it was one that was kind of, I came across it quite late on, actually. It wasn't one that I was around and saw at the time. Um, I remember reading about it in CNVG, and I remember them raving about the pixel-painted graphics and thinking, that looks really cool, because they made a big deal about the fact that Rastan had a little sort of pendant on, and you could make it out in the pixel-painted arcade mm-hmm. version. You're not going to see that on this Blurovision version of the C64, but it was quite an interesting arcade. But the C64 version was always hampered, wasn't it? It was always going to be, but it was always hampered yep. in some specific directions. It's kind of nearly there, isn't it? It's almost like it's like you're looking at it, going, "It's nearly there." It's, you know, there's just a few a few things, and it would have been it would it's have been blur- finished. It's blurry there. There's a cracking version. I I really like the music for this, the Galway version. It's a good version of the arcade music. It's it's actually yeah, yeah. better than the arcade yeah, music. Yeah, the music. So the, the music's really good. And obviously, that went on to spawn an amazing orchestral version of that. And you can go and listen to that on Remix 64. It's just mind blowing the stuff that's out there. And that, so that's all good. The sprite work is <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's just it's all right. They kind of look like the arcade, I suppose. It's the best thing. They kind of look like it. It kind of looks like the thing it's meant to be. Well, that's not necessarily saying it's good. I'm just saying it kind of looks like it, but a kind of splodgy version that blurry. Yeah, it's been C64. Yeah, and it's kind of blurrow vision. So it's kind of uh, it's all right, but mm, kind of. The backgrounds are a facsimile, and I'm being generous, of the arcade. But they're not brilliant either, are they? They lack any detail. They lack passion. This, there's no passion in any of this game. No one's laid the arcade and gone, that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Got into mm-hmm. it and gone, let's make some really, really great backgrounds. We know the C64 is capable of really good backgrounds. We played IO. There's some really great backgrounds. There's some yeah. backgrounds in some of the some of the budget games that have, even BMX Kids had some better shading than this bloody rubbish. Yep. And so it can be done with a bit of thought and a bit of care, neither of which apply to this. They didn't care in this game enough to even finish it properly, did they? Let's be honest. So nope. it got what it got. So Rastan himself kind of floats over the ground in this, which is rubbish. I hate that when sprites do that. Mm-hmm. The enemies are, I say, of the arcade. I'm sort of They kind of look like the ones that are in the arcade. They're, they're varied and they're quite big, but there's just not a lot to do in this. You just kind of wander around and don't really do I went through half of the level and didn't encounter a thing. It was a swinging rope and a ladder. There's just not much in it. No, and that's the thing I had <laughs> against the arcade game. There's not that much, you know, it's, it's a bit empty. Yeah, and I think, okay, you know, that's maybe this, maybe that's just a replication of that. But in this, the fighting felt, when you do come across it, it feels really dull and powerless. There's no, you know, you swing the sword, but it just, it, it's, it's not it's not swinging. There's no mighty swing. It just kind of goes, and you, you've got you, and I've got you, and I've got you, and I've got you. It's just, there's no power in it. You've got a mighty sword swinging. And he swings... Weirdly, the sword exactly the same way as he swings all his weapons. I mean, I know it's animated for convenience there. Yeah. But, you know, I would just imagine that you would swing them all differently, but handily enough, he doesn't, I suppose. So there's just no connecting grunt. There's no, you know, you hit them and just sort of poof, disappear in a poof of smoke. It's like, it's just all a bit wishy-washy and a bit just, um, does it work? Do they get, do they die? Oh, that'll do. There's no payoff for getting the other weapons either. They don't do anything special. They don't have any magic powers. The one shoots blobs. Well, that's the only one that's, and you have to, you know, double, double backflip, jump flip, try and get to the, you know, to get, to get into some of these weapons is weird. In the arcade, you can actually stand still and jab upwards in a really funny maneuver, an upward jab, a jabby, jabby upwards. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that in this. He just sort of jumps and leaps upwards and it's really weird. And when he does his downward spiker, it's just in the C64 version, it's just outright weird to watch when he jumps <laughs> yeah. up in the air and just points his sword down and goes, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just not very nice to look at, really. That so there's no payoff for any getting the weapons anyway. So you may as well not bother. Even the, some of the other, or even some of the other enemies have different weapons. It makes no difference. So that's a bit dull, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's just, and we've got another barbarian, a mighty barbarian that drowns in a puddle, or yeah, what looks like a puddle. I think they're meant to be torrents of water, but it just looks like a blue stain. 
So it's like, oh, puddle, ah. Dies over dramatically. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he does that massive dramatic death. <laughs> over dramatic death. It's hilarious. The scrolling is horrible with only compass directions scrolling, which means your jumps often leave you suspended in midair and then you fall, <laughs> which is really stupid. Um, the coll- collision detection here is off the chart, stupid. I mean, the enemies spawn randomly and really boringly as well. They're just kind of wandering around bored like you are. <laughs> yeah. they don't, they don't, they're not hating on you or attacking you. They're just, you're just kind of there and they're kind of wandering around. They just appear at the top of a thing. They don't jump down really if they, unless they have to. They don't yep. really move around. And one of them got suspended in midair and then just kept killing me because he was sort of frozen. I couldn't reach him with the sword and get him. I couldn't do me up with jabby jabby because it didn't work. So he was just up there. So I couldn't get past him. So I was like, right, bug. None of the enemies are in a desperate need to attack. They're just kind of wandering around. None of them. Even the enemy at the end of the gate is just like, oh, I'm just going to flip round. Yep. What is, oh, there's a Rastan. Shall I bother I, I with got it? An, oh, I got I an endless know. loop of uh, snakes spawning as well on the second yeah. level. Start the second <laughs> yes. level. If you don't, there's That's two snakes come level. on. If you stop to just a certain point, they just constantly spawn forever. You just there, uh, crouch down, yeah. going, slice, slice. Oh, I got you, got you, got you. There's, this, there's the super repetitive logic of this. There was the world's slowest upward door in that second level. <laughs> this door thing that went up at steady f- block frames of animation. It didn't scroll oh, yeah, up and yeah. down. In the palace. Went, block, yeah. block, block, <laughs> block, block, block. It's like, no, that's, that, that is very difficult to avoid. I must go, um, must go under that slowly to make sure that I don't get hit <laughs> yes. by that slow-moving door. Right? <laughs> to create some drama, I will go under oh, it slowly. It's so, it's so, so fast. I There's might no not drama make it. in this. I it's, might not make hilarious. it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the whole game is dull, 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 and even duller, isn't it? Yeah. And brown and dull. Um, so Barbarian many issues brown. here. Yes, I suppose it's like a. It, it's the arcade is in there. I think maybe two or three percent in there somewhere no it has the, the someone sort of started the process off i think but this is not finished i don't believe the music might be but the rest of it isn't it's a buggy unfinishable waste of time which is terrible for a game of this license and caliber and this expense i am surprised that gave it 42 percent for a game that's unwinnable that's un, that's a bit silly really isn't it um, yeah. i think this is uh it's i mean i don't know an average arcade i guess really begets another average game but this is below average this is just just boring just why would you do this imagine if conan the barbarian was like this he just wandered around <laughs> you know, there was no imperative to engage with anybody just like should i you know kill them now don't matter just it'd just be rubbish no. over Over-dr- dramatic barbarian though is something i would like to see <laughs> that is a, a little comic strip in the making that like, what are you doing over there <laughs> i'm fighting them <laughs> Oh, they have wounded me. That's too much energy in his swing. It's like, uh, hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Do you want to put more effort into that swing? Because you're not going to chop anyone up with that. I need to save all my effort for my death. <laughs> I'm going to kill you with a mace. Hey, you're swinging it exactly the same way as you swing a sword. That's weird. A different weapon, different weight ratio and everything. I know. Um, yeah. No more now. I think Rastan Saga is just no, no, no. No. Rastan Stagar. No, not good. Anyway, let's move on. We've got one game left, um, and we'll see how we get on with this, which I'm going to think is not very far, but um, we'll see. <laughs> the Graham. Fly me to the moon and keep me sung among the stars. Apollo 18. You made me think of Bayonetta now. I know, that's the whole point. That's good. Uh, tell us about Apollo 18. Apollo 18 is uh, from Accolade. It was produced by Artec Digital, coded by Philip Armstrong. Ironically, not relate, no relation. <laughs> uh, or maybe he was, we don't know. Lisa Mendoza was uh, back again. Um, the graphics are Greg, Grant Campbell, 
Design is Rick Banks and Paul Butler with the music by Paul Butler. That's your that's your cast and crew. That's your cabin crew for this evening. Okay. So I suppose this is best described as a space simulation simulator, rocket launch simulator, space flight simulator, moon landing simulator. It's a simulation of that, those things. Here mm-hmm. you take control of an Apollo 18 mission to the moon and over seven submissions oversee everything from launch to re-entry. Over a nine-day mission, you must lift off, get into orbit, dock the lunar module and command module, correct your course. Uh, recorrect and set your trajectory, land on the moon, go for a moonwalk, blast off of the moon's surface and redock with the command module, go for another spacewalk, correct the course again and your trajectory, and then return to Earth and re-enter the Earth's atmosphere and splash down. Simples. Do it in an heartbeat. Yeah, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Mm-hmm. Show me the, where the launch button is. Ah, each of these is independently controlled with key specific keyboard commands, joystick commands, and other items, and it'll work completely independently of each other, so there's no coherent logic to a simple one control system for everything. Every single part of this is controlled differently. And things must be correctly sequenced and controlled. With every single item, there is very little margin for error. You make a mistake, and if you can't abort the mission, that's if you're lucky, you might be able to abort it. Otherwise, it's the worst-case scenario, and kaboom, you know, you've got little astronaut skeletons floating around in space forever. That's a bit grim. No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't, no. So... Each of the stages has different graphics, and all the way through there is atmospheric and oddly realistic communications from Houston and NASA. Pretty good, that. Uh, it sounds and feels like they put a lot of energy into getting this as great as they could for any budding astronauts, um, which I'm guessing because this is you know this is a real love love story to um, that kind of you know Apollo moon mission type idea. There's a lot of detail in here. And um, also, if you had any doubts about how dangerous and tough all of this is around space travel, I can tell you this simulation will compound that idea and make you never want to go into space for the rest of your natural life. Mm-hmm. It will also make you want to smash things, because as atmospheric as this game is, the team that made this forgot about the audience and who's going to play it. They forgot that at some point, it's a game, and it needs to be fun. Not You're not actually taking astronauts into space, okay? You're not actually doing that. So, yeah. the game then. Now, I have to be, you know, full disclosure, I never made it to anything. I never even got the rocket off the Earth. Because this game is such, this simulation is really, really, really hard. It comes with a very extensive manual, which you need to go through. And the manual does give you all the details of all the things you need to do. But doing them, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to explain the bit that I did because, and then I'll talk a little bit about, because I YouTubed a bit of the game to see the other stuff. I, I never got there. And then I'll give you a little bit of thoughts about what I think about the bit that I could get to. Because I think there's probably a lot to this. And I never, I got ready to experience a whole bunch of that. All the graphics that I saw in the bit, obviously I never got into space, looked apart, and I think captured the feel of, of the, it captured, a, there was an exciting feel to this game. It did feel quite serious. And because of that, it sort of worked, you know, the, when you hear the speech samples, which there's plenty of, they do have that nice sort of, because they're obviously crap quality anyway, because it's old and it's coming out of a, God knows what, a Sinclair Spectrum speaker, I think. You no, know, so you get that very much into that kind of, you know, launch vibe and that, that it has that kind of tonality to it. And that really works here. It works to its advantage. So it sets a strong atmosphere. Um, but there's still issues with this, isn't there? You must prime all the engines and switches before each launch. Okay, fine. But it's a tedious exercise of pressing the up arrow and then pressing return until you have a green go listed at the bottom. Yep. So there's no there's no logic or puzzle to solve. You just got to go and keep clicking things until it says go and then press your fire button. Then you'll get to the launch pad and you've got to try and launch. And essentially, you've got to uh, press the fire button as a micro gauge on the right hand side, bottom right, moves left to right, akin to kind of a power bar in a golf game. And each one of the little stages of the launch is one of these, at least at the first four, 
are this little power gauge that goes across, which is kind of like your error meter, really, as well. So um, you have to press the button as the micro gauge moves left to right. And when you press that, there's like a center line, and you can either be just press it, bang on the center line, which is all good, or you can be slightly before it, not so good, or slightly after it, not so good. And if you accumulate too many befores or afters, it adds up to a certain ratio of error to perfection, and you're going to have to abort launch. And if you do that, then you've got to go through the whole rigmarole of pressing the up key, going through all the settings, wait till you get the go, and then you've got to go through this again. Now, I can tell you, it sounds like, well, it's just a power gauge going up. It's really easy. It ain't. It will drive you mad. because you got So you've got to do it four times initially. Okay. Um, and remember that your margin for error is very small here in this game. So if you make an error, if you go too early or too late, too often, you've got to abort, the rocket will explode, and it's back to the start. Even if you get the rocket launched and assume you get past the first wave of button presses, then you've got to control the roll and trajectory with the left and right of the joystick and keep the indicator in the center for that as well. As well as, so you've got to keep it on the nominal line for that, as well as then the little power bar starts scrolling across as, as well. So as this thing's launching off into the atmosphere, if you don't control the roll, it starts to launch in a really weird direction. So it starts to sort of, you're going to miss your, you know, your trajectory window and that thing ain't going to get out of the atmosphere and you're going to explode. So you've got to get that right. Mm -hmm. If you don't press the button at the right sequences, you're not going to disengage the retro rockets and all of those things. And so, boom, you're going to explode. So that, you're not going to get that right. It's back to the start again. And there's a whole load of this. Bear in mind, this also speeds up the intensity of these things as well. So as this rocket's getting further and further and further into the Earth's atmosphere, um, which is on this graphic display, looks quite the part. Not that you'll ever seriously see that because you're so intense focusing really hard on the tiny bit that you've got to control. Yeah. You don't see all that wonderful glory. You don't see the great graphics. You just focus on this little dial trying to keep it. And I can tell you, it's now impossible to do. I tried it loads and loads of times. I really wanted to get into further into this. I wanted to see what it was like to get this Apollo 18 rocket into, into space. I could not do it. And there's no practice mode in this game. So if you can't do it, you can't do it. You're not going to get to see the other... Uh, eight days of the mission. You certainly got to complete any of the other seven stages or whatever they are. You're not going to see any of them. So until you can crack this system, you're never going to get to the rest of this game. I think that's a big blocker because it is quite hard to do. And even if you do get past that, and I think this is punishing to the point where it's a bit silly because you're really at a certain point, you're preventing the people that you're trying to entertain from getting any further into a game where you've spent a lot of time and energy creating loads of fancy stuff. So you're really just shooting yourself in the foot here. But even then, let's say you do get past that and you actually get into space, then you've got all the other stages to do. This is all in one sitting, by the way. There's no save. So I don't think you can save your progress. I've never got enough progress to save, but I don't think you can. No, so this is, you've so. got to actually live, you know, I feel like you'd actually be spent nine days sat at your computer with this, you know, feeling the stress of keeping those astronauts alive. Because after you get that into space, then you've got even more controls to contend with because then you've got to manage the trajectory and you manage all these things. And it's all done by keyboard and different commands and different, with the same margin of error. If you make one mistake, you're dead. And then the launch is aborted and it's back to the beginning, relaunch. So you've got to go for all of that again. And I can tell you, I don't think there's going to be that many people. And I watched a couple of YouTubers that did it and most of them never got off that first launch. There's only a couple that managed to get to the next stage. And even then, they didn't get certainly get anywhere near the moon or anything else like that. And I watched a few YouTubers that tried. So, and I wanted to launch the rocket and I tried so many times, but after a while, I'm like, I just can't be bothered anymore. I've tried it too many times. Why not put a practice mode in into this so you can yep. have a go at the different missions? Why not do that? So, that, you know, it don't, you don't, so you can play at least have a go at playing some of these other exciting things. Every other game of this type does that. Why doesn't this one? It's a real omission, that a really silly omission for something like this. So, I know it. This would. I know it's meant to be like reality, and so you know, obviously, you don't get to you know just you know handily correct things in space. If things go wrong, they go wrong. I get all that, but this is a game, and it mm. is meant to be. You know, you're meant to sort of entertain people, not punish them. I YouTubed it, and um, like I said, many of them struggled with it anyway. And even the YouTubers that you know, have, and some amazing ones out there, and the few that got through it 
looked like it took for ages to get right. I mean, I don't know how many attempts they did and they, they cut out of the video. There must have been loads. The graphics that I saw in some of the other sections actually looked pretty good. Really nice displays of inside the control module, inside the lunar module, the space work looked amazing. The, the graphics in the game and, the, and the, really good. You're just probably unlikely to ever see them outside of YouTube or there's no cheat that could really be applied to this. I don't. It'd have to be a level skip, I guess, but I don't know how that would work because even if you skipped a level, you'd never finish it because it'd be so hard to control and you wouldn't really know the parameters. The instructions are detailed enough to get you there, but not detailed enough to really give you the information. Yeah, that's what I too hard. Well, yeah. So you don't really see much of the launch anyway. You've, it kind of makes you focus on the wrong thing. What this lacked was a game designer. You know, somebody went simulation mad. The, the computer humans made this. <laughs> Multi-armed. But, Multi-armed ones, maybe maneuverably armed computer humans made this, but they forgot about people actually have to play it. And you've got to make it a game. It's got to have, you know, just some a game designer or even a designer of simulations would have looked at this and gone, let's give the people a practice mode so they can have a go at these different stages because they are quite exciting in their own right. If they want to do a whole mission, well, that's, you know, that's the real clincher, but because of that and it doesn't have that, you end up focusing on the things you can't do and not the things you can. And that's a problem, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in scope and application, there's loads that they got right in this, without a doubt. And I imagine if you can get through to those other stages and you've got the patience and the hand-eye coordination of an ant or something like that, <laughs> someone who can, you know, who has the reaction times that uh, I am simply not capable of at my age. There's bags of atmosphere and the sound of graphics really, really do work well. There's, there's such amazing stuff wrapped up in here. It's just a pity it's inaccessible for average Joe, non-human computer. The pace was quite good as well. It did feel exciting at first. When it first loads up and there's the launch bay and, the, and it all feels like you you know that when you even just read the first time you do it when you're just on that control panel and you're pressing keys and pressing enter and the lights are lighting up this there's a, a real feel of an apollo 18 missions are going to happen and you're in control and the sounds really add to that but you know if someone said to you that's it when you got to that part you know, and that's the end of the game which it kind of is really for me i think i feel a bit cheated um so they adhere too much to the strict rules of what they're trying to do it's a simulation too far really um, no practice modes, insane difficulty really, and punishing controls means if you've got the perseverance to get through nine days worth of space travel, you might actually get more fun just watching an Apollo 18 mission on YouTube as opposed to playing and trying to get one into space. It's really hard, it turns out. Great pity. Um, this game very, very nearly had the right stuff. What about you? <laughs> very good, very good, oh, very good. Um, yeah, I'm the same. It's hard to know what to say about this one because despite my best efforts, I couldn't get past the launch section. I got to the second to last button tap once. So that was 11. 11 taps I got right. Same. And then it aborted on me. It's very frustrating, this. I, know. And I, and I emitted a Rastansaga-style noise <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I went, I went, I went, I, yeah, I think I dropped a Barbarian Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I was, oh! <laughs> <laughs> that point. I, I understood his. I understood his Brechtian pain. Um, <laughs> it's just, uh, I just, you know, I wish there is uh, just an option. I wish just wish an option to try the various parts of the game in isolation to learn them. Because as it stands, the rest of the experience yeah. is it's just hidden behind this incredibly impressive. And it is incredibly impressive. You're right in everything you say, but ultimately tedious launch section of the game. I feel like they could have mm. given you some options here to get used to each part before trying to take the whole thing on in one go. Because having to do the whole thing without some experience of what comes next, you go, right, I'm going to try that. All right, I've learned that bit. Right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. Right, then string it all together. It's going to be hard, let alone stringing it all together with no idea what's coming up next. You know, trial and error is just nightmarish. Yeah, it's the, it's the driver 
uh, approach to game design where driver had the you know looked like this amazing game driving but so many people never got out the underground car park because it has to do yeah, some kind yeah, of difficult yeah. thing to get past the first bit we're not showing you anything you know it's just this punitive punishing you know developer going well, if you're not good enough to do this or well, you're not good enough to see the rest of my game it's like i bought mm. it i can see what i want actually i hadn't <laughs> bought it but you know but you know what i mean uh, it's a shame because yes. it looks like a really interesting experience this the presentation is top notch some very clever effects going on in the opening sequence that shot of the rocket going up and disappearing into the distance it's really it's good blocky, but it looks really it's you know it's really yeah. good and you know it's a very good presentation of the liftoff and that opening sequence like you said where you're hearing the speech and it's two man is that and that little digitized yep. picture of the astronaut and everything just feels really nice just i don't know but beyond that i can't say you know am i going to try and persevere with this no i thought i might but i'm not it's it's just i, I don't think there's a there's enough payoff there for the effort that i have to put in there's a great intro speech system but you know for me this was one giant step too far i'm afraid <laughs> very good very go. good the computer humans are all waving there and clapping their <laughs> maneuverable arms in glee with that one <laughs> rastan is going oh that's the best put i've heard all day <laughs> so he laughs, <laughs> oh it's <laughs> like the actors out of that uh, uh black hatter episode <laughs> uh, brilliant barbarian rastan yeah apollo 18 i don't know good song though isn't it yeah yeah, um, it is, yeah. By uh, was it Apollo? No, Apollo for forty. Was it? No, it's Apollo for forty, wasn't it? Yeah, they're they're a good band. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they were well, anyway. Yeah, outfit. Shameless. I really, really wanted to get more out of this because I thought it looked great, but it just so yeah. I got yeah. very, very bored of pushing right, pressing the fire button, watching lights turn green after about I think yes. it was about the fifteenth go. I was like, oh for God's sake! Then my keyboard stopped yeah, working. Same. <laughs> think, yeah. Well, like, oh, okay. Keyboard's going. Did you Don't say, Houston, I've got a problem at that point? <laughs> yeah, my computer did. It's like, oh, we've got a problem. But anyway, there we go. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. our last game. And that's it. That's March done. What have we looked at? Predator, which lacked all the atmosphere and... All the oomph and some of the logic. It everything thing. to do with it. And, and was yeah. broken. And <laughs> a predator that looked like a turd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, BMX Kids, which was a decent budget yeah. racing game. Brave Star, which was not good. Brave Starfish. <laughs> um, Jet Boys. Boy, Jet Boys, boys, boys. <laughs> it's a CRL <laughs> game. And that's yeah. all you need to know. Uh, you know what it is. Code Hunter. That was good. Yeah. Good little game. Oh, that. That's good. Uh, Droid Dreams. That isn't. That's not good. That was bad on all fronts. No. Uh, Mac, uh, computer, <laughs> computer humans. Remember, they prefer the term <laughs> computer humans, please. Absolutely. Rastan Saga was, oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> I tried in a puddle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One potato, two potato, one potato. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh dear uh, me and finally apollo 18 which was just too hard for its own its own good yeah it could have been brilliant but you know give us a practice mode and i think if this had got practice yep. mode and would have been able to experience all the sections i think would have been like this is one of the best things we've you know one of the most yeah, interesting would have been one of the best simul simul games we've played yeah it? absolutely but there you go Anyway, there you go. That's the games. March is done. We move to April. But before we do, before we do, Gray, we have a couple of crap verts to look at. We always like a crap vert. Yeah, and we've got a couple of them here. So if you'd like to scroll your screen down to the first one. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who's Lee Enfield? I don't know, but it's in the Tournament of Death. <laughs> Does what anything of that image say Tournament of Death to you? <laughs> no, he, he looks very disgruntled. He's a knight, isn't he? A knight in holding his lance. With a shield, and there's a castle in the background while he's like, looks like he's portrayed on a pack of cards. <laughs> For reasons I can't fathom. Yeah, why is he stacked on top of loads? It's like there's loads of pictures of him, and that's the like Polaroids of him. (laughs) It's like if you flick through him, he gets more animated. It's like face (laughs) goes from troubled to happy by the end of it. It's like he is deeply troubled. They've clearly basically gone into the film um, Excalibur and taken a still and redrawn Lancelot from that a little bit there, because that looks a lot like Lancelot in that. So. So this, yeah. So this tonally is all over the shop. That I mean, that Lee Enfield font at the top. It, it looks like something you'd see on a, like a. It's like the blind Darts date. Game. It's like the blind date font. It, it is or some kind it's, of like it's a neon font. It's a neon font for a game show um, in the eighties. It doesn't show up nights in Shannon Armour, does it? <laughs> Nothing. Does. It's, like, it's like it's like I'm expecting to see the word cocktail written in that. Yeah, exactly. So the the plot of this is Lee Enfield in the Tournament of Death is the second in the Time Troubleshooter series in which our hero finds himself in the 13th century. His adventure takes right. place in the castle of the Count uh, Count of Savoy, where the Holy Shroud, one of the world's greatest religious relics, is kept under close guard by the soldiers of Yellow Shadow, Lee's sworn <laughs> enemy. It's all stupid. Why? I don't know. This doesn't look very <laughs> good from the screenshots either. soldiers of Yellow Shadow. Either. Do they eat yellow snow, the soldiers of Yellow Shadow? <laughs> I don't know. Why have they got yellow shadows? They don't sound very menacing. No. Just, you know, what? Shadow Lee- isn't yellow. <laughs> By definition, it can't be, can it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Lee has been instructed to find this relic before Yellow Shadow destroys it. Now Yellow Shadow is a singular. <laughs> Whatever. He will need a lot of courage <laughs> and skill to fight his way through numerous rooms and hidden passages, especially trained guards, foot soldiers, and even bears bar his way. <laughs> what? His chance to succeed is very low, but Lee Anfield is the man who likes a challenge. He doesn't look like he likes a challenge to me. No, and there are I mean, objects to find he? which will aid him in his mission. So it's up to Lee to prove them wrong. Prove who wrong? Prove What are you talking about? Why have the soldiers of Yellow Shadow managed to command bears? <laughs> don't When know. did that happen? How did they do that? How did they do that? That's clever. Now, I don't remember reading any accounts of 13th century um, <laughs> medieval times where they, they, were, they were attacked by a heavily armed uh, pack Bear. of bears. You know, nope. trained bears. I mean, that's that's very, very clever, that. It's very good. The game good. itself in those screen grabs looks frigging awful. Yeah, it does. I think it, it's. I think we've got this coming up next month, actually, and it's got something like about 10%. Oh, my God. Is this a C64 game? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. Yes. Lord help us. That is crap, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, ri- who is Lee Enfield? Who was it? Do we know? No, it's the second in the trouble, Time Troubleshooter series. I never, Do you remember wait, the first where's one? Where's the first one? No, I don't. <laughs> but they did that a lot, didn't they? We've come across this before when they, you know, it's this is the... The amazing sequel to a game you've never heard of. Does it exist? Well, yeah, well I've got it. I've got a copy. So there it <laughs> yeah. goes. Maybe they did that thing, what you were telling them to do, where they just kept the first one for themselves because it was crap. You know, you've, you've made a game. Well done. Don't release it. And then they forgot to tell everyone that they haven't released it. They haven't actually said what it's out on anyway. Well, you can get it at WH Smith and Boots, though. Yeah, I love the fact that they've got that on there. It does, it, it immediately stamps time and place. If it had Woolworth's logo on there as well, that would be the end of that one. It, it would be yeah. Like, we know where that is. Yeah. Um, is... No, it's the, tr- is that Troubleshoot series or something it says at the bottom there? Yeah, I think little... so. Yeah, Time Troubleshoot Terrible. series, I think. Terrible. And look, these are not the colours of chivalry and medieval times. <laughs> Neon yellow and red and blue. No, they're not. At a jaunty and angle. It, no, no, it is not. No, and no, and his, his lance is, is obviously very lightweight because lances are big, heavy things. You know, you need to be running at speed on a horse, sort of hoy them into view. 
Yeah. But uh, just standing there with one casually means that it's either very small and maybe he's, in that, he's grumpy because he's got a very small ants and maybe that's just, you know, and he's like, it's not the size that matters. It is though, mate, when it comes to lances. <laughs> Lee Enfield in the Lance Envy <laughs> shenanigan. Who is Lee Enfield and why is he a knight anyway? And how did he get transported back and why did that happen? And why <laughs> did he do it for the second time? I don't know. These are questions we will find out when we play this game. Well, it's, it says at the top there, it just says, um, he, he finds himself in the 13th century. You, how? Now, what do you go in the library? You come out the wrong door? Our podcast friend Gary once did that and thought he'd actually travelled through time and space. True story, that. He just got drunk. No, he went into a library in one door and he came out a different door and thought he'd warp to a different place because he was. It's really funny. Show it one day, he'll tell us all about it. He went into a library. This is a true fact. This is a podcast friend Gary, and we're not making this up. He went into a library to get a book, got said book. But he didn't exit the library the same way he came in. He, they had another exit and he went out of that. And they got completely confused about where he was in time and space and thought he'd time traveled and warped to another reality. Just for a minute, he said, just for a minute, I thought, where am I? I'm in a different reality. It's like, you're just at the other end of a library, you <laughs> crazy person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we you know our lives were meaningless and boring at that point. I think. Yeah, that's just true. wanted to eject some science fiction. That is true. Um, and he, he was probably actually trying to escape from the blatant LP thievery that he's bound to have done from <laughs> another library that's missing several albums now. For the rest of time, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, yeah. <laughs> but yes, yes, um, yes, it's not good that. That's a classic. Uh, and all on a black background as well with these mad Polaroids. Who took that picture as well? <laughs> Don't know. With what? Maybe it's one of the bears. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. We've got another one. Uh! <laughs> now there's some elements to this that i actually don't like this is just i don't know what this is this just is ah ah maybe he carved it uh, maybe he's made the castle saint ah uh, so it's, it's just a a a r g h exclamation mark ah and there's yeah. there's a there's a, a a dragon type creature and a, a horned cyclops i think or a horned giant in in wrestler pants <laughs> Um, he is just a horned man. It's just, just a, a horn- one-horned man. It's just a one-horned man, um, and they're sort of emerging <laughs> from broken arcades on either side of this. While beneath them, between them, a boy with a joystick looks on, slightly shocked, with pointy hair, and it's from Melbourne House. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if it, is it ar- <laughs> arcades fight. Is it a fighting game? Do you know anything about it? Do you, what is it? I think. I think it's a fighting game. I think some kind of monsters. I don't. I, I think, and that's a. I mean. I, <laughs> I remember something vaguely of it, but that's, this doesn't really give much away, does it? Mono-horned men are an interesting <laughs> thing to um, to put into anything, really, aren't they? Um, especially fighting a, a what would must be a very small but muscularly armed dragon. That dragon goes to the gym. Yeah. You know, he's, he's been doing his arm curls. Yeah. It so, so, looks like he's got no wings. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he has. But I'm also, you know, that the, the guy's got really uh, short, he's got wrestler pants on. 80s wrestler he's got, pants. He's got, he's got underpants. He's got his budgie smugglers on, hasn't he? <laughs> he really a, has. A single horned man with budgie smugglers. And you notice he's wincing because that dragon's clearly got rancid breath. Because he's like, <laughs> going, garlic. He's like, oh, God. Well, Your breath stinks. <laughs> <laughs> but what? So I can only assume this is some like arcades come to life and you've got to fight them, but it's not giving much away. It's not, I mean, to be fair, it's quite well drawn. It's, yeah, you know, yeah, so there's some nice bad. drawing and stuff like that. And it's got a kind of atmosphere to it, but <laughs> yes, it's but... crazy stupid. <laughs> It, it's. I tell you what, right? There are parts that are well drawn. Some of the musculature is okay. I'm a little bit concerned about his hand foot because the mono horned man has a hand foot. He's to- it's like a foot with long toes, as opposed to a hand. It's just not quite right. Yeah. Whereas the cl- the clawed hand of the 
the dragon creature is actually pretty good. Yeah. But his is his is just so it's just a bit smooth and a bit a bit. It's not. It's just, I don't know. There's something wrong about that. He's got no knuckles. Maybe it's that. Do you think is he a cyclops? <laughs> I can't work out. Okay, it looks like he's got two eyes. He might. He must be a cyclops because one horned creatures like that in the Harry Harrison tradition always are. Yeah, that's what I was cyclops, thinking. Yeah. So he's got a cyclops haircut though, hasn't he? Yeah, Which, he's got you know, it's well yeah. groomed. Some point he's gone to a hairdressers, and I like the idea of there being hairdressers for cyclops and for horned men. Well, it's like, a, a, would you like it? Would you like it um, over the horn, around the horn? How would you like it today, sir? Would you like it trimmed tight, tight to the base, or would you like a bit of fluff upwards? Um, just two around the horn, please. Absolutely. Um, short, short, short back and tight around the horn. <laughs> No, there's probably a few people that have asked for that for a very different reason. Absolutely. Um, this is not a kind of shop, pointy ears as well. I'll ask you to leave. <laughs> I thought this was a hairdresser's. No, it's not. It's not, it's a chippy. Get out. It's a chippy. Get out, you monohorns are not welcome. Get out. You would know that if you had any depth perception. Look at the sign. It'd be great, wouldn't it, if there's a sign on the chippy window that just says no monohorns. Oh, for fuck's sake. This is the only chippy for like 20 miles. Get out. He's got Bloody a horn. Bloody monohorned crazy. He's got a horn. No monohorns. We've got, our, we've got yes, one in. Sorry, yeah. And that's where Bob Prep comes from on the back. Hiya. I'm Bob Monohorn. <laughs> Bob Monohorn. How random. Bobby, Bobby Monohorn. Bobby Single Monohorn. And after the career in uh, Monster Bashery didn't work out, he ended up working in a chippy. It's always nice. It? It's nice that he's got a job, at least, you know, in this, <laughs> these dark times. I like the kid, looks like the kid's controlling the arcade that's got the Monohorn man in it. Yeah. So I'm guessing the game must be that you control him and he reaches out of his arcade and starts to strangle random creatures that have bad breath, clearly. Yeah, short back and tight around the horn. There's a dynamism to that image, though. Parts of it are well shaded and drawn. He's a bit smoothened, but I'll let that go. Um, <laughs> but they could have given him some trousers or proper pants. I mean, you can't, you cannot, monohorned men should not just fight in their underpants. I'm pretty sure they didn't. <laughs> no, but they always just give him, like, you know, sort of little... Cloths that wrestling cover pants. up their jewels. It's wrestling. They are wrestling pants. Eighties eighties UK wrestling <laughs> pants. I bet it's got a special move as well, which involves that horn. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a head horn as well, isn't it? Oh my god, he's gonna do the head horner. <laughs> he's bent low. <laughs> he's thrusting upwards. That dragon's never gonna be the same. He can breathe through two holes now. <laughs> Oh, he's a eunuch dragon. <laughs> he is now. He that is. kid's looking very terrified as well. His hair's gone full, full, full uh, Gary. It's, That's wait, podcast Gary's hair. He's it? gone he full kid play, play hasn't he? He does, yeah. And he's clearly got... Is that a quick shot joystick in his hand, do you think? I, I don't know. I'm not he's sure. coddling something, but I don't know. Anyway. I mean, it's by Melbourne House, so I'm not expecting good things. No. And I'm also, just as an aside, turn up jeans with shoes and socks. It's very in the 80s, that, isn't it? Look at very. that. Boom. And a white T-shirt. Shouts 80s. Yeah. Since when did Melbourne House rip off the System 3 logo, by the way? Uh, I don't know, actually. Um, and does that say, this? is that 16? Is that a 16 it hiding does, in does, that? It, yeah, I thought that as well. What's that so, about? So is this is this Amiga? It says Commodore 64 in it. Was this, you know, what's that about? I don't well, know. I'm sure we'll see this game at some point. Uh, I don't doubt. But there you go. That's, uh, That's Attack of the Monohorned Man. Arg. Yeah, we've got, we got you know, Lee Enfield in the Tournament of Death and Arg. A nice way to end this uh, triple month off with a couple of crap birds there. Uh, we've yes. got the charts. Let's so some charts, shall we? We've got these are from Commodore User. They've got the spelling back to normal now. The drunkards have left. So, new in at 10, we've got Trapdoor. 
Don't know budget release? Uh, I, I don't... It's by alternative. It might be a budget relief or it might be that one we just... That through the trap door. Oh, yeah. God damn. Awful. Uh, down to number nine is Grand Prix Simulator. Up to number eight is Arcade Classics. Up to mm. number seven is the compilation Magnificent Seven. In at number six is ATV Simulator. I can't oh, believe ATV Simulator is me. higher than Grand Prix Simulator. Madness. That'll be out there. Chart like shit through a goose. Probably. Down to number five is Test Drive. Down to number four. Hey. Is, down, now, down to number five from number two is Test Drive. Down to number four from number two is Combat <laughs> School. Who about this chart? They're making it up. Staying in at number three is Match Day 2. New entry at number two is Platoon. And staying at number one is Outrun. Going down the bottom, we've got two entries at number 12. <laughs> Oh, God, we do. California Terrible. Games and Fruit Machine Simulator. Can there be two oh, no. more contrasting games at the same that sold Goodness the same amount? Me. Whatever. That's crazy. Weird. Then at number 13, uh, 13, Kickstart 2. 14, BMX Simulator. 15, New Entry Popeye. These must be budget re releases. 16, uh, Project Stealth Fighter. Mm-hmm. Soccer Boss at 17. Uh, 18, Live Ammo. I think that's another uh, compilation. 19, Football Managers back in. Now, Soccer Boss and Football Manager, Soccer Boss obviously came after it, but they've literally just gone to the synonym book. They have, haven't they? And for Football Manager. What's the synonym for football? Soccer. What's the synonym for Manager? Boss. That'll do. Soccer Boss. What? How does it play? Exactly the same. What's their company called? Addictive. Ours is called Alternative. Alternative. <laughs> yeah. They've got the Big Mac. We've got the Big Mac. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and for some reason, <laughs> still in the charts at number nine, at number 20 is Back to the Future. Uh, it's come back ironically it's come back from the future it has come back and now it's and, and taken root in the past and now it's invading our charts what have we got coming up uh i think next month is a three-parter i think just to keep our sort mm. of workload <laughs> within a reasonable amount there's quite a lot of games we are starting to see amiga titles pop up now oh, in course, Zapsa, yeah. but we're just keeping with the c64 so Coming over the next three weeks, I think, we've got Fourth and Inches. Excellent. Um, unfortunately, we won't be looking at Ball Raider, which was that crap no. from last week. Black Lamp. Interesting. And that is an interesting one because that is Tim Follins. Uh, music. Yeah. Blockbusters, which I'm hoping is Can I Have a Pee, Please, Bob? <laughs> I'm so. As if BMX Simulator wasn't enough, we've got BMX Hyper Biker Simulator. Oh, whatever. Uh, Dante <laughs> 2. Okay. Firefly. Mm-hmm. Firefly, that's another um, that's a good soundtrack as well, I think, as I recall. Okay. Helidrop. Uh, oh, that got... sounds crap, that does. That sounds like a really crap game. I hope it's good. <laughs> sounds like Helisquad. Sound <laughs> yeah. Uh, Night Games. Well, Helisquad was good. Night Games 2, which is the weird mm. sequel. Magnetron. Ma- oh, no. <laughs> the unfortunately titled Mandroid. <laughs> <laughs> Mandroid. Oh, no. The human computer bots, whatever they are, are going mad. Uh, roll Around. I uh, hope that's got Mike Reed in. <laughs> um, uh, scumball Skegpool mm, more good music that just sounds like oh. a pool at Skegness it, it doesn't maybe sound is. good it sounds awful Skegpool it's a, Skeg- it's a Skegness simulator Skegpool that, that, that is niche come on yeah the actual official Sky Fox 2 um, okay so we had Star Fox didn't we which we thought was Sky Fox 2 but no this is the official one uh, Snooker and Pool which I can tell you now is just that on cue again they've just re-released it we will be looking Have at they? it, but it literally will be the quickest review ever because you can just cut and paste what we said about on queuing. It's the same game. Stuck Snooker band. and pull. Snooker and pull. Is it Chas and Dave who did the music? Maybe? <laughs> I think so, probably. They, well, they were snooker in queue, so. <laughs> he likes snooker. I like pool. <laughs> <laughs> so we're never playing the same game with each other. <laughs> never. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sokoban, yep. which I have no idea okay. about. Stratton, yeah. no idea. Mm. Uh, Task 3, don't know. The Train. Okay. I think that's a 
Uh, it's Thundercross. Adventure, is it? No, the train. It's an action game. I think it's uh, by Access, I think, or uh, Accolade. Okay. I think it's oh, like we'll a World War II like. train one or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, Thundercross, which I think is okay. a heli- helicopter one, I think. I'm not sure. Sounds like wrong. one. Traz. Traz. Okay, Traz is a good game. It's a breakout type game. It's like a weird breakout one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, Hub- Hubbard soundtrack, or is it Wally Bebbin? I can't remember. I can't remember. Oh, and finally, Werewolf Simulator. Oh, Werewolf Simulator. <laughs> it's got to be by Codemasters, hasn't it? Uh, but it's, it has to be. It has to be. Yeah, has to be. Yeah, you uh, missed one out. You missed Strike, Strike Fleet out. Oh, did, that, uh, oh, sorry, I did miss out Strike Fleet. Sorry, Strike Fleet. That could, uh, like, could be in a, a strategy one, I'm not sure. Yeah, it but sounds like it might be. Sounds like it probably is. And yeah, so that's it. That's coming up over the next three episodes. So we'll cover April over three. <sighs> that's a lot of games we've played over the last 12 episodes. 101. It is. I feel drained by some of them. It's a whole bunch of games right there. <laughs> it really is. I don't think I've got anything much more to add. Have you got anything you wish to add before we... No. Um, my final thought really is it's the kind of, I suppose it's kind of the final thought about March. If there's... Are there any picks of the episode for this episode? I don't know. I think uh, the, the budget games have been really ruling the roost for me recently out of all of these. Absolutely. So Code Hunter, a real highlight in this. BMX Kids was pretty good too. It'd be Code Hunter for me. Yeah, for definite, easily for the best out of this bunch of crazy and shocking revelations that we've had. Games that are unfinished and released and really high caliber licenses like Predator and Rastan Saga, unforgivable. There's been so many game mistakes made in these last 101 games just for this month. I just Sorry, just for this last last sort of period of time so since Christmas, really, isn't it? The 101. Yeah. Or is that just for... The, yeah, so it's been yeah, 101 January, games. January, February, March, yeah. Maybe 95 mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so many, so many... It's been It's been a shocking revelation for me um because i kind of thought that a large percentage of the games that were coming out this time had learned a lot of the lessons from the previous ones and in many ways there's been a lot of step back step would you know step backward and let's just hope that things start to take a bit of a turn on the uptick as opposed to this so that's my final piece is that thank god march is over with i'm hoping that april has some some new things and there's some interesting things in that list we've just read out so i'll look forward to it as i i I try and look forward to it mom trying to be more positive i'm trying they're proving that you know i know we play these games so people don't have to and that's fair enough i'm trying really hard i think sometimes there's a perception that we just hate on every game that we come across and that's not true where games are good we call them out for being good and we do but i can tell you we play every game here and most of these games are really struggling to even you know things like droid dreams these aren't these are just rip-offs they're awful we're not calling them out because we hate on every game. These are just bad games. Yep. Um, so and it's worth remembering that, I think, because, again, part of the remit of this is that we do play every single one, and that's an important thing to note. I just don't want people thinking, God, they just hate every game. We don't. We just hate most of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was what we wrote. Our very first line when we wrote what to describe this podcast was, what was it? A lot of games come up for the Commodore 64. Not all of them are good. Not all of them were good. Yeah, and we were right about that. We were. Really, we were right. you know, we've been proved right before we went into them all. It just, it's funny how you start, I'm starting to see the expertise of the system fall into our hands of a very few. There's lots of crappy coders and crappy graphics. There's a very small amount of really elite graphic guys, musicians, coders. And when they turn to their hand to games, generally they're quite good, but this obviously it doesn't always go according to plan. But let's see what, my, let's see what April brings. It does, yeah. So yeah, those, so those games are spread over the next three episodes. So, you know, still plenty of stuff to come. And we're still getting mm. at least seven or eight games a seven or eight games a, a, a an episode. So loads, it's loads, still there. plenty. Right, I think that's it. You got that to look forward to. I think we've done now. I think we should say goodbye and leave our listeners to go about their daily lives. I think that's a good idea. I do too. So um, as ever, I have been Adrian Mills, and I have been Graham Computer Human Ruddings, <laughs> and you have been listening to. Oh. 
<laughs> and we will see you again next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh dear. Such a good noise. Such a good noise. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuther, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.